And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, it is an amazing day. The 100th edition of the Weighing In Podcast. Joshua Thompson, we have made it 100 times talking about MMA, you and I together, without freaking killing somebody or each other. Yeah, I was going to say, you put up with me 100 <laughs> times. This, I think it works because we're distance apart. <laughs> you don't, can't just reach over it. and choke me. No, I love it. Incredible. We've had, uh, we had the UFC Vegas fight night, whatever you want to yeah. call it, that was supposed to be a really good fight, I thought, between Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. It didn't happen because Curtis got ill with a little COVID bug and wasn't able to compete. So Anthony Smith steps in as the main event along with Devin Clark. And we'll talk about that fight. We also had Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. And a couple of other fights in there. We can talk about those a little bit. But 100. We made it to 100. We made it to also, 100. when you look at 100, you can take a look at that beautiful Ooh. shirt right there. I'm the good-looking nice one on the front. You are the, you know what? It's, it's always weird to wear your head. You like it. My uh, chest. You get a lot of compliments, but, I bet. Oh, <laughs> dude, I have people going, who's the who's the karate kid? The but, sexy. He's <laughs> dead sexy, yeah. You can get this shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com or one of our other t-shirts that are available. You can go to ProWrestlingTees.com, click on weighing in, go ahead, look at our beautiful photos, hit that. It'll bring you to the shirts. And if you use the promo code FIGHT, not FIT, FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, we can get you an additional 20% off of the shirt. So check out our shirts. You'll enjoy those. And then later on, we'll talk about some betting things with mybookie.ag. So what's going on? Did you watch all of the fights like I did? I'm, I got... I got multiple screens set up watching all the fights. Well, if you guys go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code weighing in, and they will give you half of whatever your initial bet is or your initial uh, deposit is. Your first one is $1,000. They give you another $500. Uh, if it's $100, they give you another $50. So I just want to give that to you guys. Uh, we will talk uh, later this week about the betting odds for next week's shows. Uh, but look, what did I think about the UFC? I thought today was one of those cards that we talked about. It could have been a sneaky good card, but it wasn't. And then it also was one of those. There cards. was a couple guys. There was a, a couple, couple fights. Actually, there was a couple. The very first was it. The very scroll down for me, Gian. Oh, dude, try to keep up, buddy. Come on, okay? baby. it's not good. Let's not have a day like we did the first day. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's try to get this going. The uh, Manus fight and Luke Sanders fight phenomenal fight, really good. But that was the, that was the beginning of where I'm going to go for the rest of the night. Talk about no fight IQ. It went on throughout the whole damn night. Uh, there were some good ones. Come it on, was man. horrible. It was, it was like watching, it was like watching a local show. I swear all the guys there and women, they're all really good, but I don't know if it's because of quarantines and COVID and the training is just not what it used to be, but everyone looked like, like they just haven't been training. I don't know what it was. They some of them looked like they were in shape. Some of them looked like they weren't in shape. Tonight was one of those cards that just I'm like, they were making the dumbest mistakes. 
a lot of the dumbest mistakes. I mean, let me give you this. Luke Sanders is winning the first round. Touch, touch, touch. Landing the cleaner, harder shots. Luke Sanders decided that he wants to have, grow some balls between the first and the second round. He goes out there and tries to put Manis away. He is winning the fight with leg kicks and with the bigger power shots. Yeah. All he had to do was keep doing what he was doing and the knockout would have came. He went out there and tried to force the knockout, tried to like just throw down again, you know, and it just, it didn't work. Every time he got touched, he got a little raw, a little wobbled, a little rock. He got, he got hurt. Yeah, he got multiple hurt. Times. Yes. And then he went out there and made a huge mistake and just, and lost. I mean, like it was one of those, like just your, your corners got to be in your ear. You're doing everything right. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's not change everything. Those are things that you need to hear between your corner, like with your corner between rounds. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he did what he did, but he was winning that fucking fight and he was winning it handily. And he looked like he was in great shape. He was the one taking like the least amount of damage throughout the fight in the first round. Even going in the second, he still was doing well. Then he decided, like I said, grow some balls and wanted to try and get after that, that, that 50, that $50,000 son. I just, I felt like tonight I got to talk to all the young, young fighters and just be honest with you guys. And I'm going to say this over and over again, multiple, multiple times. Winning solves everything. I can't say it enough. I can't continue to say it. You've got to listen to your, you've got to listen. You've got to just be real. Like winning will, will solve everything. The 50 grand will come. The knockouts will come. The submissions will come. Give it time. You blew the fight, man. You blew the fight. I'm not saying man. that it could have continued to went the, would have went that way. But even in the second round, he was winning the second round, and then he started just going after it even harder and harder and harder. You have to know that's the fight IQ that we talk about all the time, John. You have to know when the guy's rocked. You have to know when you sure you landed a good shot, but is he still there? Manus put his head down. He was there to be hit. He like kind of, yeah. He would just put his head down and just like blindly throw punches. The problem was Luke Sanders just stayed right in front of him instead of cutting angles like Mike Tyson did tonight and was able to touch, touch, and touch. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference between MMA guys and boxers, but that's the difference between, like, young guys that just, they want to go out there and put on a show and young guys that want to go out there and and win that $50,000. I think there's benefits to when when Dana White does that whole speech in the back about do you want to be a fucking fighter? You've been waiting for this your whole life and, you know, and the money's there and you know, I'm giving out these bonuses. Guys, I've heard it. I've heard it. I don't know how many times. Okay. But I'm saying like, it doesn't matter. I know 50 grand sounds great, but guess what? You'll never get the 50 grand if you don't win. You know, like it's one of the, like, sure, maybe you'll get fight of the night, but it needs to be a barn burner. Like, I mean, we're talking like, you know, Dan Henderson, Shogun, Hua type barn burner. Like that's how you're going to get that. Especially if you're the first fight of the night. So you've got to remember that. Like if you're the first fight of the night, you, you have 12 other fights or whatever it is on the card. That, are, that have a chance to pass you up. And they're also the ones that are the most recent. And I want to put this into your guys' minds. The, normally, even if the main event or the co-main event or anyone on the main card has a semi-okay fight, they're going to get it over you. Pretty much almost <laughs> every time. You got to yeah. keep the pay-per-view people or the, or the TV people happy. Like, you got to keep those fights happy, those fighters happy, because those are the ones that actually fill the seats. Not the guy on the first fight of the night. So as much as Luke, you, I thought you were having a great performance. Fight IQ, son. Fight IQ. Manis, I, you have, I still think you have a lot of work to do, brother. But 
you, you did what you had to do. You got out, came out and got the win. I tip my hat to you for taking big, big shots. But John, fight IQ is the thing we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to go through this whole card later on. But it's it's bad, man. It's bad. Okay, then let me, I'll give you okay. an opposite. Because you could see in it, <clears throat> I, and I'm going to screw up his name because it's it's a horrible you know, translation. He's Tibetan, but Sumaja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matajeri. Scroll up. Ma yeah, yeah. Scroll up. The oh. Tibetan eagle. That's all I know. Yeah, right it, there. He's, he's got the whole Khabib thing with the eagle. He's the Tibetan eagle. Yep. Man, he is long yep. at 125 pounds. And he was sharp. His left hand was straight down the pipe, mm -hmm. lighting up Malcolm Gordon, who, you know, came in there with a lot of fire and, you know, first time in there. He looked good. He fought long. He hit him with power and just put him away. That kid is going to be fun to watch as he progresses. I really enjoyed that fight. I thought that was, you know, a great fight. And then you go back to your fight IQ because it should be in the next fight. You should talk about that. Yes. <laughs> but I'm going to touch on Sue Mata. Yeah, I think it's Mata Jerry. Mata Jerry. Anyways, Jerry, you know. I thought. I thought he had flashes of, it reminded me a little bit of Conor McGregor. The straight down the pipe, it threaded Man. the needle, touch, touch. Malcolm Gordon kind of made it easy. He was doing a lot of herky-jerky stuff, that yeah, Keith Jardine style, right down the center. but he was coming right down the middle. He never really <laughs> moved. He moved his head offline, but then when he yeah. was getting ready to do something, he stopped. Yep. And then right there, boom. And then Montagieri just was able to touch him. Boom, boom. And he hit him a couple times, sat him back to his butt, put him down. Nicely done. Great performance. I agree. He had flashes of like that Conor McGregor look and feel. I guess because it's more of a southpaw thing. Like he just straight yeah, left. Well, no, he controlled distance. You could see he was in and out. Yeah. And he always dictated when that that contact would be made. So mm -hmm. he looked really good. You know, I, I I look forward to watching him in the future. He, yeah. He was someone like, oh, I got to watch that guy. Very good. Very good. Nope. Uh, Mazzani and Ostovich. I'm going to go right back into Fight IQ. And I like oh, Rachel. I, had a I knew you would. I've had a chance to, to meet her. I like her. I don't, I've never really like hung out with her or anything, but she was at the last Bellator in Hawaii, and I talked about that last uh, last week. Look, just Fight IQ. I'm going to I'm gonna continue. And this is the thing. I'm going to go back to even the Kai Kamaka fight as well when I talk about the same position. And there was another person in this card I'll have to look at as well later on, I'm going to say. Uh, anyways. Yeah, but it's mainly like Ostevich and Kai Kamaka, the Hawaiians. You guys, you guys got to You guys got to stay off of all fours. When you guys go belly down, when you guys go to all fours from one fighter to another or from your guys's camp should be telling. I know Kamaka comes from uh, Extreme Couture's. You you should know better. That's the thing. You should know better. You should not he does be in know that. Better. You should he not be in that better. wrestling position. It's just, it's just one of the worst positions to be in. If someone gets to your back, push yourself to half guard and get there as fast as you can. Try and secure a leg, whatever it is. If you stay in that position, they're going to get your back. They're going to start to choke you. They're going to flatten you out like Kai ended up getting flattened out several times. Multiple times. Yeah, it just was one of those positions. Rachel Osovich fought her ass off. Just yep. didn't fight smart. No, it was like there was I agree. many of instances where she just also there was many of instances she just she was winning the exchanges on the punching and then just stopped throwing. She was almost like I'm just here to wait for you to come in. I'm gonna throw and then when I land, you're gonna be afraid of me. No, no, people are not gonna be but, afraid but, of you. 
where 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 is it if you've watched rachel throughout her career she's never been the great stand-up no. writer she's always been that person that takes a fight to the ground and works either strikes on the ground with ground and pound or works for a submission and you know that gina comes from a boxing background that's her strength where was the game plan in i have no idea in putting John. this this fight to where your strength is i didn't understand that at all yeah i i feel like i feel like there's a lot of things as a fighter you have to understand like look I need to sit down with my coaches and say, hey, this is kind of going to be our game plan against this fighter. If you know someone's predominantly a striker, let's work on possibly getting this fight to the ground. But she didn't even try to stop takedowns. And when she did get taken down herself, it wasn't like she had a very good bottom game. That was the issue and the problem. She needs to put her, uh, she needs to get her, her ability to be on top, her weight on her. You know what I mean? Like she needs to be able to put pressure on her. I just, there was, there was, she was winning the, I felt like she was winning the exchanges on the standup when she Sometimes threw. She kept on landing that, that left hook over the yep. top. And it was like, Gina would run into it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah. was like, she, does she not figure out she's been hit by that three times in a row now? Take your head and bring it off of that that yeah. center line and bring it off so that's going to miss. Yeah, nope. there, there's a lot of Let's things. Let's do it a fourth time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say this too with Rachel. Like a lot of times you were just throwing punches in the air for nothing, for no reason. Like she was within six feet of you. We're talking COVID six feet, you know, and you, you were just throwing punches. Like your jab wasn't to land. It was just to throw it in the air. I get it. Like every once in a while you just reach it out there, like to touch and see kind of a range finder, but she wasn't even within two feet of your range finder. That lets you know that you don't need to do that. And so there was a lot of just things that I didn't understand I don't know if she had a good camp. I don't know. I, I've, I've, I have a lot of friends that live in Hawaii and they're saying that like lockdowns have just been brutal for all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, businesses are shutting down left and right. Like no one really has able to train. They're all training in secret. It's, I mean, I'm sure it's different from Island to Island. It's just one of those things. I just, I, I, like I said, I don't know if it's the COVID situation and the quarantines and the lockdowns. If, but a lot of these fighters look like regional fighters tonight. And it, Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was because they knew that the Mike Tyson fight UFC did and they put these guys together, these all these uh, fighters together, and they kind of were like, hey, let's weed out some of this. I don't know, but they just came in and not a lot of them looked great tonight. And no. I'm, I'm not trying to knock them. I think the fact is they came in, I'm sure with camps and it's hard to get camps in, but I'm going to continue to say this. The fight IQ tonight was just horrible. It, there was a lot of mistakes, a lot, and I think a lot of it maybe because of the quarantine, because they just haven't had real camps, because maybe all their good training partners are probably not coming to the gym as as often as they used to, you know, because they're not scheduled to fight. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you what the situation is, but they sure the hell did not look like they belong in the UFC. I can tell you that, and so I I felt I felt like really weird about the whole thing when I was watching uh, Osovich and Mazzani fight, and then. Um, like Martin Day didn't even look like he belonged in there. Like never really pulled the trigger, just got clipped right off the bat. I'm like, but no defense. Like it was just one of the, it just, I don't know. A lot of them just made a lot of bonehead mistakes. Now I heard that Ashley Evans Smith, I heard that she was oh. dealing with some issues though. Like she I wish to, I would have known about it. Yeah. No, she I'm looked, she looked horrible. Yeah. And I know she's a good fighter. She's tough. She's she good. She's but a she, great wrestler. Yeah. She looked horrible.
Yeah. And so I, I, I was listening. like she was there. I try not to listen to the commentary too much because I don't want to get skewed one way or the other. So I turn it down. But I did hear uh, Paul Felder said that she was going through um, like some injuries and she didn't really get into what the injuries were, but it just showed right off the bat. Like, I mean, she looked okay for the first probably two minutes. And then after that, she just started getting pieced up and touched up. And I'm like, this isn't going well. And she, when she started getting taken down, I started taking some clean shots on the ground and pound. I'm like, ooh, this is not getting better for you. This is getting worse. I mean, there okay, were moments gotta, there where the fight could have been stopped. But I got to go back. Okay. And I, and I know I do have to say that Rachel Ostovich pulled off one of the coolest back takes I yes. have ever seen. And Gina's got her in a north-south. Yep. And she's able to swing her body up and around. Mm-hmm. And get, she, she wasn't able to keep the back, which I was surprised by when she got it. But, man, the flexibility to get there, my hat is off to her because there is no way in hell I could have ever pulled yeah. that off at any point in my life. So You would have broke your neck. Really cool. <laughs> no, oh, but God, l- yeah. let me go back to what you just talked about because you brought that up and I completely spaced it. That was the point when I realized that the the fight IQ was going to go out the door for everyone this whole night. I was like, wait, go, scroll down. So when we were looking at um, Luke Sanders and that happened, and then I see Rachel Osovich do that. And then I go on and watch Kai Kamaka do what he did. And I'm, Rachel Osovich, she takes the back. She postures up and starts striking. Instead of controlling the back, threading yeah. the submission, doing all those things to make sure that you win the rest of the round. It could have been 1-1 going into the third. Nope. Instead, she tries to flurry. You're not going to, it's very, very hard to finish someone from that position. Okay. Like is in terms of striking, like you'd have to flatten them out, do some big damage. Your your, your butt is way up in the air. The, uh, your opponent's butt is way up in the air. You're basically leaning forward. All she got to do is tripod up. You don't lose your position. And that's exactly what happened. Like yeah. establish yourself there. Show the judges that you're go, controlling go the, the seat fight. Bell. Hold on. Yes. Get to, get to the seatbelt. Throw, threaten the, the choke. Thing. Do something like it was a little bit of overzealous. Maybe the inactivity of an eight month layoff or nine month, a year long layoff because of I don't know what happened. I guess she had some USADA issues, is what she talked about. I guess this week. But as I go into this, I'm just thinking, thinking to myself like that. Like just it started this set. Luke Sanders, then Rachel Ostovich, and then you know Martin Day didn't even look like he was there to fight. And then Kai Kamaka comes in and makes mistakes. And I'm just like, yeah, but you know what? You got, look at Jonathan Pierce. Yes, he's he, good. He, he's a scrappy bitch. Yep. He is tough. He's good everywhere. You know, he's not that flashy guy, but he's got good wrestling. He is freaking junkyard dog tough. And if he gets on top of you, he's a beast. So, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Jonathan Pierce and say that, you know, oh, he, you know, Kai should have beat him. Jonathan's tough. Yeah. And he comes from Tennessee. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just felt like so Kai. It it this goes this goes over and over and over. I'm gonna continue to say this. Is that fighters, young fighters specifically, okay? And we've seen this. Look, Anthony Smith, what against Glover? Same exact thing. Left himself on all fours, and that cost him the fight. You guys turn. Give go to your back and get to some sort of half guard because you have a lot more offense from there than you do from all fours. You have <laughs> you no, no offense. offense from all fours. No offense from all fours. That's not a resting place. It is not a position for you to hang out. And let's it's let's only a place for you to get back toward your feet. Yeah, and if you have if they have both hooks in, that's not the place for you. Kick one out and start to get to half guard or turn back into them. 
I can't, I can't say this enough. You guys, it, you, all you are doing from that position is taking damage. The other thing as well, if you cannot get to half guard, you can't turn and give them a, a half or get to a half guard position or a full guard position, or even I, for me, I would give up mount over that position. That's how shitty that position is, you know, cause I would rather have someone mounted on top of me knowing that I can buck and move when they go to posture up and try to get out. I mean, it really just comes down to like, if someone's on your back in that position and you're just taking strikes, the other thing you have to be worried about, you're getting hit from both sides. You can also be choked from both sides. I say you fall to your side and you defend one side of striking and one side of choking. If I'm on my left side, they really can only hit you with the right side. They can really only choke you with the left side. You need to try to make that adjustment because sitting in that position, you're getting fucked up from both sides. And it's just, I, I was getting so mad. I wanted to yell at the TV. I'm like, you guys are so young and so good. A lot of them are good. That's the thing. As I know they're good because, you know, they're in the UFC. They deserve to be there. But they just tonight showed the lack of fight IQ. And it was driving me up the wall because I've, I've seen Kamaka fight several times. And I've seen uh, Luke Sanders fight also. But for some reason, it just didn't come out tonight. And like I said, I don't know if this has something to do with the COVID thing, but you know, in the quarantines and training and just gyms being closed, whatever it is. But I didn't see the best of any of these, any of these fighters, none of them tonight. Yeah, it was, um, it's so funny. I used to, used to tell people all the time, look, if someone's on your back, you're losing. Okay. So you've got, you've got to change the position mm -hmm. and, and you know, people sit there, well, the guy was throwing punches. Look, human beings were predators. Okay, if you take a look at a lion, you take a look at a bear, you take a look at anything that's a predator that lives on the land, for the most part, as far as that's a mammal, their eyes are in the front of their head. Okay, it's always if you if if you're the if you're the meal, your eyes are to the side of your head. Okay, we we can't fight with our backs. Yeah, you know we we are one dimensional in going forward. That's our offensive attack. That's how you can fight back. And so you've got to put the fight at least into some realm where you have the ability to have some type of offense. Because if you have no offense, you can't win the fight. Mm -hmm. You got to work your way to getting getting towards that offense, and that's part of what. You know, in the in the Kai fight, he made some big mistakes that put him in bad positions where he wasn't able to be offensive, and that that cost him the fight. Yeah, you really have to pick a side when you want to defend something. You need to pick a side. You can't let them attack you from both sides. Like, yep. hey, look, I'm better at this side. Pick that side. Like, there's no different when you guys are in the gym drilling your moves, right? You guys drill to one side better than the other. That's just what you do. And like, no matter what, you're like, oh, I'm just going to do one side because that's the side you like to go to. Let's just be, it's you your side. To, you have to be real with Blow yourself. So in that position, do you ever just sit in the gym and let people jack you up from that position? No. You roll to the side that you're used to. Why would you do it in a fight when there's money on the line? That's, that's, that was the most frustrating part for me because I know, I know after talking to people, you know, at Extreme Coutures and talking to people that train at all these other gyms, these, a lot of these fighters are better than what they showed tonight. And I'm going to continue to go back yeah, to is that this is not, this is not the level that we should be seeing. And it's unfortunate because I, don't, I think it has a lot to do with the quarantine and all this other stuff. But a lot of these fighters, they're young, so, you know, some of them are not young, but some of them are young, but they... <laughs> But they, they are better than this. And I mean, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass. I mean, I know I'm riding them a little bit hard right now, but hopefully they listen to this and they realize that we have to be, I have to be honest with them. I have to be honest with them. I have to be honest with fans. If you guys are at home and you guys watch this show, 
These are not the best. These are not the best that they have been. Okay. They can be all be better and they, and they will be better. You know, I just, I hope that some of them stick around, you know, I mean, I could see honestly, like they may give Rachel one more chance, you know, uh, Martin day. I'm not too sure about that one. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Coming off of a suspension. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things you, and she, you know, but then Martin day, he didn't look great either. No, but he's looked good in the past. He has fought well. Yeah. And anyone, anyone could have a bad day, you know, just can be style wise or anything like that. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, Bill Algeo. He looked, you know, I thought he, he looked good. Okay. Thank you. I was going to say, I have no problem with anything. I thought he, he looked did. good. He fought tough. He fought smart at times. Sometimes he went a little bit yeah. off the rails. He's fighting a guy that's a crazy, you know, come at you style but you know spike carlisle had a couple of moments that bulldog choke oh. was tight for a moment yeah it was tight no matter and what algeo say, says it was tight oh it was tight <laughs> no doubt say, about nah, it nah it wasn't tight see, yeah you like, could see that you could see when spike was starting to you know he squeezed with everything he had real fast and then he kind of you could see it starting to diminish and that's what saved him but it was tight when it was also the angle change and everything but it was uh i thought I will watch Bill Algeo fight anytime. The guy comes to fight. Yeah. He's a little bit, he's a little bit uh loose, got his hands down real low, but he he flows with that. That's his style. And uh he's fun to watch because he comes to fight. I enjoyed that fight a lot. I you know, I thought he drove Spike Carlisle to exhaustion, which he used as a tool to 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 win the fight. You know, yeah. Smart. Yeah, what it is is that he he had like he had said in his post fight interview was that he'd watched some of Carlisle's like previous fights and he just goes hard and and, and generally what happens he gasses out. Yeah. Someone that fights reckless, careless, and just throws things that they shouldn't throw. Sure, you got to be prepared for it. You know, spinning back fist. You know, whatever it is, just come recklessly. They come forward. Those people tend to gas out because they're just throwing to throw with no rhyme or reason behind it, and they tend to get they tend to just basically their arms blow up. They're just throwing recklessly and nothing leads to anything. It, it takes more energy to miss than it well, does yeah. to land. Yeah. you got to stop it. Yeah. So you're like, Oh shit. Bill Algeo just fought Algeo or whatever you want to, he fought a good fight. I thought he fought a smart yep. fight. He fought a good fight. I'm actually glad he won because he, I was, it was kind of nice to see that he canceled his fight on. He canceled, he canceled his trip to Tulum with his wife for their one year anniversary. And for him to come out and get a win, get a little extra money in his pocket, I thought he fought go. a good fight. I was I was actually happy to hear that. Uh, that you know, because that's the thing. We've talked about this before, is that fighters, they give up a lot, man. They do. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Other world a lot of other athletes give up a lot as well. But fighters, it's one of those not appreciated giving up. You know, NBA players, oh, you gave up Christmas. Ooh, okay. But when you're done, you'll have millions of dollars in the bank, yeah. you know, and football players. Oh, you've had to play on Thanksgiving. No one gives a shit, man. You guys, you, you guys get a all, turkey leg. Yeah, you all make millions. You get a John Madden turkey leg if you were playing. Yeah, the these guys make millions. Like your guys' base pay is what these guys make in a in a year, like, you know, in two years sometime, three, maybe even three. So, so you know, football players make a, a base More pay of like $750, $1.1, something like that. So it's one of those things. Anyways. But I thought Algeo fought. I thought he fought a good fight. Good, uh, it was good. You know who I was really impressed with? Yeah, Parker Porter. He' a tough dude, but he got he's 
when he got on top of Josh, and I, I actually thought Josh Brzee was going to win that fight. Yeah, I know we talked so, to, when you said that last week. Because he, you know, he's got he had actual speed in his hands. He c- goes after guys. He's a guy that, you know th- will throw spinning back fists as a heavyweight. He landed you know, a couple of them. Landed two yeah, of them tonight. Landed, but, man, and he actually had Porter in trouble during the fight. Parker Porter, a lot of credit. He looked, you know, he took those shots, kept his cool, stayed, you know, fairly tight in his defense when he was hurt at times. I mean, in the end, it was just his constant pressure that won in the fight. Got the takedowns when, you know, he needed them. Put pressure on top, and dude, you take a look. He he's bigger than Josh Barnett in the lower half of his body. <laughs> yeah, damn. What I noticed some weight was Parisian used a lot of wasted movement. There was a lot of things that were just is, you having to fight long because he was a lot longer. Having to fight long to, is exhausting when you're missing. And I've noticed that Porter, what he did was he kept everything tight. Nothing was there was not a lot of wasted movement. Sure, they just came for heavyweights. They came to fucking fight. Oh, like, man, they put out a lot of energy. It wasn't the most technically sound fight, no. but it was fun as hell to watch because I, honest, I've i seen some of the best heavyweights in the world not look that good after three rounds, of, and they never are that active. You know, there's moments where I've seen, like, when I watched uh, uh, the what, the worst fight in MMA history, uh, the two heavyweights. Well, which ones? Derek, Derek Lewis, Lewis against Ngano. Yeah, Ngano, that was a bad one. You know, I mean, like you watched like them, and then what was the other one? Uh, Rose, Kimbo, Ro- Kim- Kimbo Slice and, and uh, Dada. Dada five thousand. <laughs> that was <laughs> also easy. Uh, I, I feel, it I did feel really so well on TV, that I though. Was the referee in that. Yeah, movie. and then uh, I, I Ro- almost Ro- killed both of those guys. But Rosenstrike <laughs> and how does that happen? Oh my God! You don't know the story of that one. You pushed one down and they fell over. <laughs> okay, I want you to know, I stopped that fight. On a punch that missed by that much. I know. That was amazing. <laughs> it was the wind. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a heart attack, dude. He yeah, died. Yeah. They someone brought him back. He, someone said he died in the, in the ambulance. His kidney shut down because of all the weight that he lost. Jesus. Trying to make weight. Jesus. It's freaking crazy. They should have just fought at super heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, I, I was really impressed with Parker Porter. He was very calm, composed. He kept everything very tight. Uh, he had a a lot better fight IQ than Parisian, but when it came down to it, it was no wasted movement that won him the fight because he wasn't exhausted and he wasn't as tired. He still was exhausted, but he wasn't as tired as Parisian because he wasn't missing the punches as much. He was picking and choosing his shots, and they were landing. I mean, he did miss, but he didn't miss anywhere near as much as Parisian did, and he didn't have to fight at a long range because he fought inside the pocket where yep. Parisian was trying to fight from a distance until they got to the fence. Um, but I thought Parker Porter, I, he, Parker, I keep wanting to say Peter Parker, but Parker <laughs> Porter, he's Spider-Man. Well, then you also have uh, Parker Porker. <laughs> the, the, no. It's like, you know what I mean? No, there's the, uh, no, there's like the, I don't know. There's a what? Spider-Man. That's like a little piggy Porker one. It's like a cartoon yeah. one. Anyway, it's pretty funny, but Parker Porter, um, it, I mean, like it was, I thought he fought a good fight. Sorry. I got all distracted okay, that, talking about Spider-Man shit. <laughs> Then I'll, I will go, the guy I was most impressed with besides my Tibetan Eagle at the 125-pound class was Miguel Beza. Yes. He looked good. He allowed Sato to, Sato, you know, started to dictate the, the place and, and positioning of the fight. He was pushing 
forcing Baez back. Baez just stayed nice and calm, just landed little shots here and there, and slowly just took it over and then started putting it on him with heavier shots. And then even when his corner, because he ends up taking him down, that was a beautiful little high crotch, takes him down, and then locks in the arm triangle from that position, but still doesn't have the right angle to get it from. And you hear his corner telling him, let go of it. Go to strikes. Go to Nope. He knew what he had, and he yeah. knew how he was going to get there. Takes his time. Pushes that arm way over. Locks it in. That was beautifully done. That was an outstanding performance. That guy is for real. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Yep. I, th- I, thought he, I thought he looked the best out of all of them tonight. Yep. I thought he looked the best. He would just he seemed very calculated, measured. He seemed everything was was planned. He realized that the striking, he was he was winning the striking, but it could have been a 50-50 match. And he was like, mm-hmm. Look, I'm good at jiu-jitsu. What am I doing? I'm black belt. Like, let's get this to the ground. I've got you now thinking after a round in, you know, after a full round of striking that I can yeah. that, you know, that we're gonna stand and bank some more. Nah, I'm gonna mix this up a little bit and make you think about this. And he did a great and, job. And you gotta admit, Masato took some shots in there. Huge shots. There's a couple of times I go, damn. Yeah. That thing would rock me. That was heavy. Yeah. And then he just kept on freaking coming. So good fight. Good fight. Yeah. Really good. All right. So Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. There's a couple things. I I finally saw Devin Clark's interview, his pre fight interview and stuff. With all the emotion, all the other things going on. Talking about yeah, how he's I gonna knew it was bad. Get, he's going to get him finished in the first round. I'm like, I said, I knew. Oh, that's this is bad. Don't do this, man. You're don't, not going to get him finished like that. Don't put it. Your, don't put Anthony Smith's a fucking animal in the first two rounds. Then he yep. ten, generally tends to die out. And I got to tell you, I was a little concerned when I saw Anthony Smith walk in the cage and he looks smooth, a little flabby. And I was like, not, not his normally like lean kind of ripped self. I'm like, all right, what's going on here? And then he went and asked for five rounds versus the three round fight. I'm like, oh, okay, Anthony, what are you doing, bud? But then, <laughs> but then I heard the interview with Devin Clark, and I'm like, all right, this this fight's going to be really weird because my my first thought of Anthony Smith when I saw him was like, you're probably you don't look like you're in shape. You're just trying to do it because you're a company guy with the UFC. Like you're saying, no, we're going to make it a five round fight. Blah blah blah. But then Devin, when he did the interview, was oh, all the his mother in law had passed, and he wanted to do it for her. He promised her he'd want to get it out of there. And I get it, the whole you know parents and the you know they want to see their kid get out of there as fast as possible. Sure, but you cannot force that shit. You cannot no, try to you make force it. it you're in trouble. Yeah, you make you're leaving yourself out of position all the time. Fight IQ again. It will happen when it is meant to happen. And well, so, the fight IQ was there for yeah. Anthony Smith. Yeah. As soon as Devin Clark comes after him, very open and taking, giving an opportunity, Anthony clinches, takes the wrestler down. Not that Anthony can't wrestle, but look at Devin Clark. If you look at credential wise, is a way better wrestler than Anthony mm. Smith. Takes him down. He almost did lock in. You know, he was looking for the, the twister. twister. You and you could see Clark holding on to that arm. I said, he can't get it because he can't get his arm free. Yeah. He's stuck. But yeah, did a nice job of turning over, and right away, Anthony basically takes time, locks in the triangle, creates the angle that the triangle can work. You know, he did. Anthony was smart and calculated throughout that fight entirely. You know, he came out. You saw the big rush by Clark, the big takedown by Smith, 
the 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 look at a submission doesn't get it you get the reversal but doesn't panic and starts to then become offensive off of it it was a, it was a beautiful performance by Anthony Smith in a fight that Devin Clark was ill prepared to mentally be in based upon everything that he had said yeah yeah i mean it sucks cuz you know your first big man event and uh it's done in the first round and yeah, but he'll learn. Yeah, but he'll you put learn. a lot of pressure on yourself to to go out there and try and get a first round finish. Like it's already hard enough to be to fight at that level, to fight against someone like Anthony Smith with all that damn experience. Yeah, he's, what's Anthony Smith got? Like thirty eight something professional. Like he's got thirty eight wins. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. probably another. Yeah, he's got yeah, thirty four wins, losses. sixteen losses, thirty four yeah. wins. I mean, like that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to fight someone with that much experience. Well, you would have thought, based upon the fight that Devin Clark had against uh, Menafield. That was a big fight for him. And he came through and he, you know, he, he, he showed a ton in not being able to get rid of Menafield right away and working his way through that entire fight, getting positions, doing things right. And you go, all right, man, he's got it. He understands you don't have to win the fight in the first minute you don't have to win it in the fifth minute you don't have to win it in the tenth minute you can win it by just being the smarter fighter and in this one when as soon as he came out real fast and went after him and you know you can say well he landed a shot okay he's open mm-hmm. and he was if, if you are so open that a guy like anthony can just wrap his hands and boom he's getting the takedown you're out of position mm-hmm. and you created that with what you were doing so I think he'll learn from it. He's he's an athletic guy, dude. He's strong as hell. His his legs are like Kevin Randall's. Yeah, he's got some huge thighs. Yeah, what was he, saying? Is, he was saying he he wanted to, he wanted to end up deadlifting like a thousand pounds or something. Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, oh, he's he seems pretty driven. Is what they were talking about. I don't know. I'm not big into weightlifting, as you can tell. So <laughs> I've never had that problem. I I, I well, okay. Here I'll go back in my younger days. I did powerlifting. And I could, uh, at the time, deadlift a little over eight eight hundred. Jesus. And you know, guys now, and it's now they use straps because no one was able to do a thousand pounds. Not even the the best was Casimir at nine oh nine without straps because their hands they couldn't yeah. hold onto the bar. And now they they're able to use straps and stuff. So a couple of guys, you got uh the guy from uh, Game of Thrones. Um, I want to I don't want to say his name. Hamporf, I don't know. Hansen, who's the he's the guy that was the uh, the mountain in Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah, yeah. He uh he just broke the world record at eleven hundred four pounds. Jesus, yeah, it's a fucking ridiculous amount. Yeah, of I've tried to just forklift that shit into my truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So okay, so let's go into okay. So guys, between this and the Mike Tyson stuff, we're gonna talk about mybookie.ag, mybookie.com. Go to weighing in. You guys, uh, they will give you fifty percent of your initial um, deposit. So if you guys use that promo code, if you put in a thousand, they'll give you another five hundred. Uh, if you put in a hundred, they'll give you another fifty. So guys, go right ahead and use that promo code weighing in. That gives us a little bit of credit, and also that keeps us keeps us doing what we're doing, man. I love this. I love it. I love that we've got some sponsors now that are reaching out to us. I like. I this. thought that I was think. it was crazy that they actually had odds on the Tyson Jones when there's no judging. So the yeah. only way that you could have a winner is if someone got knocked out. And I said I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, and I mean they have some for the draw. 
Yeah. Bro, they it's going to be a draw. If it freaking yeah. goes to the distance, it's a draw. Yeah, I, I thought. But I guess, unless they're going with the, I guess, you know, they, they did that, uh, what's it called? The, uh, uh, I can't remember. It starts with a V. The, the people that do the judging. <laughs> uh, you set yourself up I don't for know. that one. <laughs> they, they, they got that judging thing that, uh, I want to say vertical, but it's not vertical. But they, it's the fans and all the fans. Oh, the virtual? Say, virtual. Virtual. <laughs> well, it's not virtual. No, I can't remember. The virtual fans? But yeah, well, whatever. So they were going to be the ones judging it. I'm like, so it was yeah, like the Dominion, so right? It's, it's was it like of, the Dominion voting yeah, <laughs> that the, we use for our election? It's the American <laughs> Idol version of, oh, of judging great. for boxing. I'm like, this is the stupid. Oh, so dumb, so dumb. Um, look, let's let's talk about the whole show in general. Did you watch the whole show, or did you just watch the fight? Oh, I watched the whole Jesus. damn show. I got. About, I was te- I was texting with Mauro Ronaldo during. God. <laughs> it was I'm sorry, man. I, t- I told him, I said, Hey, 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 you stay away from Snoop Dogg. I said, You get too close, you're gonna get a contact high and you're gonna start saying stupid stuff. <laughs> well, I, not, now dude, you yeah. I, hold on. You gotta know this story. The very first, the very first Dana White's contender series yes. was held at the you know the location it wasn't in the apex center it was held at the old ultimate fighter mm-hmm. gym and stuff and you know, they had two broadcasting crews on that and i think paul felder was actually he was starting out and he was doing it with someone i can't remember who he was doing it with he was the the straight one and the other one that you could listen to was snoop dog and uriah faber yeah all right so they took Snoop Dogg and Uriah because Snoop had to smoke. They put him up in the, there's that upper area where Dana had an office kind of back thing. And there's a window. And so that, that's where they were going to watch it from. And, and he is smoking to the point. There's smoke billowing out of that, that window to the point it's now filtering down the entire gym. Got smoked, but we got a contact high. I'm telling you, if they would have tested anyone for marijuana, Jeez. we all would have tested positive. It was crazy. I go, this is this is the most marijuana I've ever had in my life since I don't smoke. This is the greatest yeah. thing ever. But that was Snoop Dogg. They finally, after that one, they took and put him in his own separate freaking trailer outside that Uriah would sit there with him and he would he would do the commentary while smoking. That dude can smoke. Okay, so uh, I, ha- I, ha- I I don't mind. I, I like Snoop Dogg's music. I cannot stand listening to him call fights. It. I had to turn. I was. I gave it like two rounds. The show was. The show to me was horrible. I. I basically just. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I turned it all good. off. It was horrible. It was. Come on, the singing. It was worse than horrible. I, I cannot, when, is, when are people going to figure out that when you take fights? And then you bring singers in in between the fights. It ain't working. No. They even did. If you remember, they did it back in Affliction. They had Metallica. Metallica. And even then it was like, this is dumb. I don't want to watch Over the Hill Rappers or whatever. I mean, it just was horrible. The whole thing was horrible. The show was horrible. I didn't like how moral and... Sugar Ray Leonard and Izzy and Snoop were like in this black 
dark thing. Like it looks so bad. Like you couldn't even make them out. It was so spread. The camera angles were shit. Like, I mean, I guess now because I, I do a little bit of TV here and there, like I can t start to notice it. It was so bad. The whole thing was shit. I, the low ceiling with all the lights, it was garbage. Yep. I, the best part of it, honestly, of the whole thing was I enjoyed watching the two of them actually fight. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad they actually fought. I enjoyed those two guys because no matter what, I don't care if they're 51 and 54. To me, I've got so much respect for them. You know, Mike Tyson lost a hundred pounds to yep. get, to get in there and do what he did. And, and what I liked was that he took it serious. Not only did he take the weight loss serious, he took he took the competition serious. He went out there and tried to knock fucking Roy Jones's head off, and yes, I loved I, I loved every second of that. And I thought Roy had moments in the fight. I thought Roy lost, but I mean, like oh, well, I'm no cool. I'm okay with the draw. I don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, who cares? I wasn't Doesn't tuning matter. in. I wasn't tuning in to watch to see who won. I was tuning in to see like, okay, do they look like geriatrics guys or do they look like you know real fighters? They still look like real fighters. I'm not saying they can compete with real fighters. I'm not saying that at all. No, not young guys of today. No, but you got to say this. Watch. You got to say this. You know what? What changed? If you remember when Mike Tyson was coming up, and he was, you know, a teenager and stuff, he had that rocking back and forth motion that he would just do throughout a fight. You know, the peekaboo with his his gloves up. But he would use that rocking back and forth motion to really get himself in and throw his shots. And he, he actually had a very good jab. His left hand was a straight hard jab that he would land. And as you know, his career went on and he won the championships and then he got away from his trainers that brought him to that, you know, obviously yeah. Customato died. And then he had Kevin and then Kevin was gone and he stopped all of that. Yeah. And he had it, he had it again. It was like, you know, they brought it back. You know, Rafael Cordero training with himself, that rocking motion. He, he came out and he started rocking and throwing. I was like, look at this. It yeah. is the actual old Mike Tyson or the Mike Tyson of old, the guy who used to use that style. No, you got it, it right the first see. time. It's the old Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, well, it was old Mike Tyson too, but it was good to see. It I really was. enjoyed seeing that. And, you know, as soon as Roy got hit a couple times, he was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. He started grabbing and holding it. I thought it was really hysterical. Ray Corona is a guy that I've worked with a lot. He was the referee. Ray's a good guy. He's an old-time OG from Bassett. So uh, he used to be a gang, you know, gang member and got in all kinds of trouble and has gotten himself you know, straight and done all kinds of things. And he, he's a good referee now. Mm -hmm. But um, he's sitting there and he keeps on warning Roy to hold it. You know, no holding, no holding. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Ray, you can't take points from him. There's no <laughs> There's points. No points. <laughs> There's nothing. What are you going to do? You're nothing. Stuck, dude. There's nothing you can do, man. Just just separate them faster. That's all you can do. But I thought it was funny. Yeah, I was I was very encouraged by the fact that both of them had moments in the fight, and I was glad to see that. It wasn't just completely one-sided. I thought Mike had kind of won the fight. Uh, oh, he landed no doubt. the harder, cleaner shots, was the one pushing the pace right in front of him. Uh, Roy looked exhausted between rounds. Mike didn't look much better. He looked a little bit better, not much. Yeah, he better. looked better. He he was still kind of hunched over a little bit, like in the corner. You could tell he was breathing heavy. But fifty one years old, man. I I would at fifty one. I'll be. I, oh, he's fifty four, huh? Mike okay. was well. Roy was fifty one. Yeah, Roy's fifty four. No, Roy Roy's fifty one. Sorry, sorry, I had a Mike's backwards. Fifty four. At that age, I'll be getting tired walking to the mailbox. 
Okay. So <laughs> like, that's kind of how I feel about Trust that. Me, I do, you know? Yeah. These it's so the fact that we got to see them, I, I, for what it was, I was glad to see it. Just get rid of Snoop Dogg, man. I can't stand that. I can't. The reason why I couldn't stand it was there was this gimmick. You got, you got sugar, you got sugar Ray Leonard there. Let yeah. him talk. He couldn't get a word edgewise. Yeah. You have Izzy there. Let him talk. Like Mauro Ronello had to like throw the question and use their name directly to them just so they could speak. The rest of it was Snoop just saying stupid shit. And I'm just like, man, I can't. My two uncles in the backyard at yeah. the barbecue. I'm like, shut up, man. I just, I, just, I wanted that. I wanted that was young. I just, after round two or the, round three, I just turned the volume off. I was like, I was like, he's just going to, he's just, he's going to try to steal the show. You know, it was, he was trying to be loud so Roy could hear him. And it was like, it was, it was just very, just, it turned me off to it. So I just turned the volume off and I watched the fight and it was a good fight. I was very happy with what I saw. The rest of it, uh, what'd you think of the Nate Robinson and, uh, what, uh, Paul, Jake uh, Paul, Jake Paul, um, it was, you know, very evident that Nate Robinson had not boxed, obviously went in and tried to learn boxing, but you know, this is where you, when you're talking about a very good athlete, no doubt he's a good athlete. He's a fast, uh, strong, just, he's got all the athletic ability in the world. You watch a guy trying to throw punches and, and doesn't have footwork. Mm -hmm. The base was never there because obviously they tried to teach him how to do things, but you know, he, he got frustrated. All of a sudden he's doing things and you watch his feet and he's all out of balance. He's off trying to throw punches and you're going, and this is why it takes time to learn how to box. Yeah. Uh, I will give Jake Paul some, some credit and, and do look at, you can see that he's taken time to learn how to box a little bit. He has some skill. Now, does he have skill to beat a, a good boxer? No. no, he's going to be in deep shit. Can he beat, okay. can he beat Dylan Dennis? In a boxing match? Yes. Maybe. Can he beat Conor McGregor? No, no. Not even close. I didn't think and he, so. And he's, and he's bigger and ain't even fucking close. He's going to get lit the fuck yep. up. Yep. Because he is a beginner boxer. He should be in the amateurs. Learning how to box. Better, <laughs> learning <laughs> how, how to box. box. Exactly. Well, you know, that's what it is. But yeah. it's obviously, you know, he's got some snaps. He, you know, he. Nate started getting more and more frustrated and hurt opening up trying to hit him yeah. and didn't know how to do that the right way and that's how he ended up getting <clears throat> knocked out so but yeah well, i think i think connor starches him in the first two rounds they're not even the same size though well, i don't know what they fought at what 175 tonight no one at 180 oh 180 something 180? Oh, okay 185 180 i think connor still starches him <laughs> Yeah, he would. I think he still starts up. I think he makes yeah. it look easy too. I think it's funny that the Jake Paul sits there and he's got no freaking true uh, background in something. No, he's not a he's not a real boxer. You can, he's a professional because it's a professional fight. Okay, mm -hmm. but you're trying to draw people from another sport into box you. Yeah, it's like why don't you go do their sport? Yeah, I don't want that business. Okay, so let me, let me, so there was disclosed purses from the Tyson Jones. So Tyson made 1 million, Roy Jones made 1 million. Good for them. Uh, Jake Paul and Robinson apparently made 600, which I think is bullshit. I don't think each? they made that. I doubt, yeah, each. 600 each. There's no way that 
this this Jake Paul guy, he's like a YouTube guy. So yeah. I'm assuming he probably made a couple hundred thousand. He'll make money. Yeah, he will. So he must have been off of the pay-per-view or whatever they got bought. You know, they probably got like a dollar on each pay-per-view or something like that. And the rest went to the other guys. Um, Jack and uh, McCurdy. I don't know. If, you, if you're saying it's 600, they 600. would get nothing on pay-per-view, if that was true. They would get nothing on pay-per-view? Zero. They would get zero in pay-per-view money. Why? Because they're getting paid 600. 600 dollars. Oh, six hundred dollars. Yes. Well, I thought you were saying six hundred thousand. No, six hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it's six hundred dollars. So they got paid on the pay per view, I think. Yes. Based on that. Okay. And then the uh, Jack and uh, McKernan. uh, Badu Jack. Jack, Yeah, Badu Jack made one hundred eighty thousand. Okay, that'd be about right. Yeah, yeah. And then McKernan made twenty k, which I can understand. Okay. No, that's about right. Yeah, and then uh, Ortiz made sixteen thousand. Sagawa made eight eight k. Ortiz looked good. Yeah, he did look good. But yeah, I thought I thought good. I thought Jack looked phenomenal too. But I mean, I don't know anything yeah, about but, McKernan though. McKernan didn't yeah, he didn't look good. No, he's not a I, yeah, a lot of these of guys that I'm not too familiar with them. So uh, uh, he had, dude, look at McKernan, tough dude, had balls, stayed in a fight. Yes, I took saw a him. lot of body shots. Yeah. God damn, he took some body yeah, shots. Yeah, he did. And kept coming. So I my hat's off to him. He was a tough dude, but didn't have the skill level to stay with Jack. Ortiz and Sagawa was Ortiz made sixteen, Sagawa made eight, Gonzalez okay. Gonzalez made fifteen, Vasquez made uh six, and then Cosmanos made uh Cosmano, sorry, not Manos. Cosmano made fifteen K and then Corbin made nine point five. I mean that's those are about but when people talk about the the discrepancy between MMA boxing or MMA and boxing pay, how many fights are on there? One you have let's see you have one two three four five six six fights and i heard that they did the pre-sales for these that they did pretty well for pre-sale pay-per-view i don't know what the pay-per-view was 49 dollars 49.95 i made a prediction that it would make three hundred thousand pay-per-view buys i think it probably did that okay i think it did i would say it might even broke five Wow. I'm gonna gonna say five. I'm gonna say five hundred. Because because of Uh, people's chance to see Mike Tyson again, man. Yeah, I think I think him and Roy. I think it was just the fun of it. And then I mean, as much as I don't I don't really give a shit about Jake Paul. But I mean but the thing is little girls do though. Yeah, he's a hype she's a hype train, you know. Um, it is what it is. But hey, whatever lines these guys' pockets, man. I'm I'm all for people being entrepreneurs and doing whatever they can to make money. Okay, yeah. that's I. I could give a shit if you're, whatever it is. If you need to go out there and do it, you do it. And he's 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 found a little niche. He's calling out these dudes and trying to fight them. Hey, whatever whatever lines your pockets with money, you know. Hey, I I think they're gonna. I think they'll probably get close to about five hundred thousand views. I think they got five hundred thousand. Well, even if they did the three hundred thousand, that's yeah. at fifty bucks. That's fifteen million. That's going to be split in half with the provider. So you're looking at 7.5 and they paid out. If you figure it out, the 2 million to uh, Tyson and Jones, and then whatever is the yeah. other ones, they're going to make a nice little tidy sum. If it's yeah, even if you make, if you're making three, $400,000, you mean you walk away pretty damn happy. $600 a piece, $600 a piece. Six hundred dollars for each Nate Robinson and Jake Paul. Yeah. You know they got paid more than that. Yes. Yeah, that's one of those. So when you guys look at the numbers, because I remember when I for Strike Force and then also too when I went to Bellator, 
is and my pay was never shown what I really made. So it was just, <laughs> it's just one of those, you just, you kind of don't like people to know, like for, for them to know what you really make. I None just of chose business. not to. Yeah. So, I mean, every time I usually put the same five and 10 grand, <laughs> it's like, they're like, man, Josh left the UFC to go that to Bellator and make that. I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy. I did not exactly what that. you did. <clears throat> Anyways, <clears throat> overall, I, like I said, I was happy with the fight. I just, you got to make some tweaks to the the show itself and all that stuff. It just wasn't, it wasn't good. The show no, itself. That, the, whole, the whole, the uh, whole, yeah, I, I always look at this. Amazing. Oh my God, it's horrible. Yeah. But I guess if you're a big time rap, maybe you'll like it, but I don't think. No. That's the problem when putting any kind of singers, be it rappers or hard rock, heavy metal. People have a certain type of genre that they like in singing. Yeah. And it doesn't just fit because all their boxing fans, it's going to be no. this. No, it doesn't fit that way. And so you're going to turn off, you know, probably 75% of your fans. You're yeah. not going to have the music that they like to listen to. So it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I think so. like realistically too, like between the Jake Paul and Nate Robinson fight to the main event, they had Snoop for a good 20 minutes. And I was yeah. like, I just turned it off. I was like, basically just shut it off. I was like, I'll come back later and just hope <laughs> I didn't miss it. That's all. You know, I was like, this is, this is horrible. So, I mean, when you, when you think about it, right, you're talking about the biggest show in the world is, is the, the Super Bowl, and they do a 15 or was it 15 or 20 minute show of the, the, yeah. you know, like the most current and best singers and people still tune that out sometimes. You know what I mean? So did you think you're going to get with old washed up rappers? You're going to get more people to view? No. Like, you know what I mean? What's Snoop? Almost 60 now? I don't really care about your rap anymore, dude. Like, cool. I, I liked your old school shit. I loved your old yep. school shit. I rock your shit all the time. I probably still do listen to it in the car every once in a while. But I don't want to hear it now. Like, you know, your voice is cracking, dude. Like, it's, it's done. <laughs> so anyways. <clears throat> um. All right. Hey, we're going to do some more. We're going to do some fan questions because... Uh, this week was kind of light on shows, and we also had a ton of fan questions that came in on the on the midweek show we didn't get to uh, because Gian took forever to get the stuff up, and you know you know what I mean. So it's always my fault. It is. It, my bad. Guys. It, 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 <laughs> it will never be John and I's fault. <laughs> it will on. never be our fault. It will always Can't be yours. You even thought you could think any different. And if it wasn't your fault, I'm going to blame it on Dave too. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> even though he's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still his fault. All right, so let's go. Oh, you know what? Hey, hold on. There was a question. I told somebody that I would answer this because this guy hit me up. He's like, okay, we had, so we did a fan question last week. He said, Josh Thompson says, Cejudo's too small for 135. Also, Josh Thompson says, Cejudo versus Volkanovski is a fight to make. Yes, I said both. Henry Cejudo is too small for guys like Marlon Rice. Corey Sanhagen doesn't mean he can't beat him as we've already seen him beat them. Okay. So to touch on what you're saying, he is not a big guy. Okay. That's what my point was. He is not a big guy, but he could, because he has been the champion there and defended it also, by the way, he's obviously able to do that. 145 though. There's nothing at 135 and 125. There's nothing else for him to prove. Go to 45 and to me, like the big money fight out of him would be to fight Volkanovski. You know what I mean? In terms of like, that would be the way for him to go. There's no reason for him to come back to fight anybody else. I think if you was to come back after like four or maybe three or four more fights of Figueredo or whatever, knocking dudes out and starching them quick, 
25 would be the fight for him to go back to because I think he beats Figueroa, uh, Figueredo handily. But I think it'd be a good fight, though. So, to me, Henry out wrestles the shit out of him. Henry can stuff, he can get, get his hips into him and lay some nasty ground up on him. It's sure, it's going to be dangerous on the feet a little bit. But I think it's I think for Henry, that would be cut to come back after Figueredo has a four or five fights that he's won and dominantly won, and you bring Henry back in. Okay, let's see where the real king of twenty five is. It makes sense. But for right now, I think Henry Henry fighting Volkanovski, John, is the it would be the fight to make. If I was Henry, I wouldn't come back for any other fight. It's funny when when people they take things you know just face value. When you look at Marlon Moraes and you match him up against Henry Cejudo in size, Marlon Moraes is a way bigger human being, huge than Henry Cejudo. So this is when you're around these guys, you see it, and so you're around them, and you know both guys, and I know both guys, and and you go, man, it's not that Henry can't beat Marlon and did beat Marlon, but you look at it going in, you go, man, that's going to be a rough one because that's a lot bigger, stronger guy that Henry's got to go through to get that win. That's not going to be an easy fight. That doesn't mean that he can't fight with him, but when you're saying he's too small, it makes sense. You could take a look, you know, we we're sitting there saying, and I'm saying the same thing. I would love to see that fight against Volkanovsky because size wise, he matches up better with Volkanovsky yep. than he does with, you know, other guys. And, you know, if you, you can look at other guys in the 145 pound division. You know he would have a hell of a time getting into Max Holloway. Yes, based upon Max's size. Brian Ortega. You know? have a Brian Ortega. Same horrible. thing. He would have a problem if you took AJ McKee. Look at how big AJ McKee is. Yeah. I mean, if you put them standing next to each other, people would go, "There's no way they're in the same weight class." Yeah. You know, and that that's what you're talking about. So it really. That doesn't mean that Henry doesn't have the physical talent and skills to beat any of those guys. It's just that he is at a deficit when it comes to the reach and the range that he needs and the size that he's going to have to face up against is going to make his task just that much more difficult. Yeah, the thing that he has, he's got the... um He's got that chess piece that no one else has, and that's called being an Olympic gold medalist. The yeah, wrestling yeah. level is just leaps and bounds above. You know, I mean, look how look how how um, how easy DC made wrestling look, and DC wasn't even a, a medalist. Henry Cejudo is another level, and I'm not trying to knock oh, my boy yeah. D at all. No, no, no. But no, Henry's just, another level facts. of wrestling because he's it's he's facts. Got, yeah, and so Henry he's got the speed to get in on the shots and he's got the ability to finish it faster than anybody else in the game. You know, so when I talk about guys that are the best wrestlers in the game, Henry's probably the number one guy I think right now in the whole sport. He's not really in the sport anymore. I'm saying so there's nobody else. I think at that level that's been able to wrestle with any of these guys and the level of which he can wrestle in terms of the way he makes his transitions, the way he changes angles, the way he hits from the single to the dump, to the pie crotch to he hits it all. And he chain wrestles it better than anybody else. As he doesn't even simple, need to. As simple as to get his yeah. inside trip is yes. the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yep. As far as you look at how he sets it up and when, when he does it, how effortless and fast it is. He's just, his wrestling is, it's at a different level than most guys. It's almost as good as mine when I took John down in the cage in, the, in Bellator. Ah. Just like... <laughs> 
I shot a single on John. We were fucking around. I shot a single on John. He fucking fell on me. Almost killed me. I crushed me. you down, bro. He was like, oh, shit. He didn't even sprawl. He just fell right on top of me. Boom. You know what? You, you thought you were deep. Oh, man. I was deep. I just got fucking laid on. Just Crushed. smashed. I thought yeah, I, baby. I thought I broke my back. <laughs> I got out. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, no, Henry's just it, to clarify that the, the whole point was to say that Henry shouldn't come back for any other fight other than Volkanovsky right now, because that's a big money fight for him. And it's a chance to be a three division champion. Or he can wait for the Figueredo. If Figueredo which I think is continues good on, that, that would be a thing for him to come back and say, yeah, I'll show you who the, the, the real champ is. And then you yeah. get the comparison. It's awesome. Yeah. But then by the time, by the time that happens, there'll be a little bit more hype around Figueredo. And then he'll be able to say, Hey, you know what? I'll come back and they can build that up. Him Hudo, yeah. the double champ, the champ champ, Olympic gold medals, the triple C, Mr. Cringe. Okay. They're going to bring him back and we're going to get after it. I think that's a good way for them to build that division back up. And there is some young, talented guys, that young guy you were just talking that's about. Good. Good to yeah. Eagle. That dude is good. That that's kid. He's fun. at 125. Also. I mean, I can't imagine it would be long for him to get to a title shot only based on the fact that they don't have a really stacked division. It's building up. They have, they had some younger kids now coming in, but I haven't, outside of like the the top two or three not really um who else what else are we talking about here oh fan question yeah i was i sorry i ran off of my you, own you start I, you started your own question i started my own phone. fan question because someone on twitter hit me up and i was like man i was like i gotta just tell you to shush go ahead go ahead uh, all right. it's all good this question is from uh bushan jagata uh, John, considering your role and experience in the development of MMA, was there ever any offer presented to you to be a part of any athletic commission, or would you be interested in being a head of some commission? Also, how does someone become a commissioner? It's like a long. Jeez, man! Wow, you gotta start dialing these down, buddy. <laughs> okay, have I ever been offered a job? Yes, I have been offered jobs. Uh, I didn't take them, and that's just the way it is. But yeah. It's a matter of would I ever do it? Yeah, if I thought that there was a job that I could take that I could make a difference in, and uh, it was a place I wanted to live, and uh, I would absolutely do it. But I, I was always able to uh, work with all kinds of different uh, commissions and stuff, and so that I always liked working with multiples instead of being just set with one. It was just seemed like it was the the better way of doing things, and so. Uh, I have been offered that and I never took it. So I'm a, I'm not a good person. <laughs> uh, next question. Next question is from a Taylor Christian. Why won't the UFC do a Grand Prix similar to Bellator? Uh, yeah, Josh, why won't they do a Grand Prix? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, re I re honestly, I really don't know. I it's mean, never worked out for him. That's yeah, why. Yeah. Let's be honest. They they tried to do, uh, you know, let, let's Lightweights. look at it from the beginning. Yeah. Look at it from the beginning. Look at the UFC started off as a tournament. Mm -hmm. So they did do the tournament, you know, but when we're talking modern era, I guess, if you want to say there's a modern era, even though you'd have to have a lot more years to actually have that difference. But nowadays, I think the UFC doesn't really go into the, uh, tournament mode because it didn't work for them when they not first bought it but close you know back in 2003 2004 they tried the lightweights uh 
it didn't work. It just fell apart. They almost got rid of the lightweight division, if you yeah, recall. You they were did. part of that. Yeah. For well. two years. Two a little over two years. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I was so, part of that. I was actually I, that, I was actually the last uh lightweight fight for that two years. It was Eves Edwards and I were the last two lightweights to ever yeah. fight in the UFC for those two and a half, two years, whatever it was. Yeah. People don't remember that. See, they, yeah. they're like, Wow, no, lightweights have been there forever. Nope. No. They, they almost they almost got rid of it completely. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of where they're at with the with the featherweight division. I felt like they're kind of on that border. I think Figueredo might well, be able to the, save it the, a little bit because the, he, he's fighting well. That's that's flyweight. Sorry, flyweight. Quit, what did I say? Confusing what did I, what did I say? Featherweight. Well, you could say it with featherweights if it's the if it's the women's featherweight. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, because they might get rid of that one. Yeah, they just don't have anybody in that. Yeah, they've got two girls, and that's it. You know, maybe three. Three. Yeah, three. Um, yeah. Next question. Uh, Jake Robertson asked, uh, do you see anyone holding the lightweight title or is it going to be a new champion each fight? Well, I don't know. They just still have one champion. He is the champion. So could be still the champion. <laughs> I mean, realistically, I don't, um, <clears throat> if he leaves, I think it'll go back to Connor. Connor's, I think the Connor's the for sure favorite. If I'm looking at that, if I'm looking at that, can you actually pull up the lightweights? I was looking. I just saw Khabib at the top being the pound for pound. Yeah, if I'm looking at it, you got Justin Gaethje, who Khabib's already beat. He's already beat Dustin Poirier. He hasn't fought Tony. He's already beat Connor, and I think he would walk through Dan Hooker because he can't stop uh, Khabib's takedown. Charles Oliveira would have a threat of a submission, but a very small one. And Dos Anjos, he's already beat Paul Felder. He would just take down at will. And I could go through the list. Khabib would continue to be the champion. Connor can beat all of those guys because he's already beat. Uh, Dustin Poirier, I think he would starch Justin Gaethje as much as I like Justin. I know every time we talk about him, I seem to say he's going to lose, which sucks, but he would win. <laughs> he would be, he would beat Justin. Justin's there to be hit, you know, and Connor's got the power to put him away and he would do it finessely. He wouldn't just walk right into him. Tony Ferguson, I think possible, but Tony's getting 37 years old now. I mean, like he's not the same fighter and the amount of damage he took in his last fight. Sure didn't help the cause of him fighting much longer, you know, and it only takes, and that's kind of when that, that starts to happen, 37, 38. And if you take damage like that, it doesn't make it easier to come back. Um, I think out of all those guys, Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor, to me, I think probably have the best chance of being the champion next. And, 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 and Dustin Poirier. But Dustin is, if Khabib leaves, I mean, really leave Dustin Poirier. Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor. All the other guys in that top 10, I don't think they're ever going to be champion. As much, I know I'm sure it's hard for all of them to hear that. <laughs> but I, Dan, I think Dan Hooker's got, he's got a bright future. He's still young. You know, what is he, 24? No, he's older than that. Is he? he? I thought he was a baby. Anyways, he's still well, 24. He is young. Yeah, he's young. He is young. But him, I think him, Conor can still be champion. Conor's what, 31? He's 31. Uh, 32 now, isn't he? Okay, but he's still he's still he's got the power. And that's the thing with the power is the the power is there, the technique the real, is there. The, I think the real question when you look at Connor is how committed is he? Yeah. Because he obviously has the skill level and the ability to be great, but only when he's committed to being a mixed martial artist and putting in the time to get better. I don't know though, John. I can't say that as well. Even let's just say he was half committed when he fought Khabib, which I don't think he was. He still looked good. 
He did better than almost all the other guys that ever fought Khabib. So we can get into like, yeah, is he committed? Sure. He maybe he wasn't committed as he should have been to fight Khabib then, but Khabib would have still beat him, even if he was fully committed, I believe. Because so the takedowns were there. He still looked good though against Khabib. All those other guys in that weight in that weight class don't stand a chance against him. Not one of those guys can take him down. Not one of them. Tell me, give me one. You have Connor. Oh, see, you have du- you have Justin Gaethje. Can't take him down. I don't think so. Not after I just saw Justin Gaethje's wrestling against Khabib. Sure, he's good. He used to wrestle. I get it, but he doesn't wrestle ever. It's like you can't just like light a match and have it happen. It doesn't work that way. You've got to drill it, practice it, do it all the time. Just because you were good in high school and a little bit in college doesn't mean that you're going to carry it over after you haven't done it for ten years. You know, um, Dustin Poirier. Big, solid, strong. He's got good wrestling, but not at the level you need to take Connor down. And we're gonna probably see that happen. I think I think Dustin's gonna try to take him down a little bit to at least threaten it. I don't think it's gonna be as easy as people think it's gonna be. You know? It's not. Yeah, exactly. He's it's a lot better than people realize. Tony Ferguson ain't taking him down. You know? Uh you nope. know, yeah, I don't think so. Either. Maybe in a, maybe if he caught him in 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 Minari role. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, Hotfield Dos Anjos, not taking him down. No, I mean, like you get in, like Paul Felder definitely not taking him down. Ali Quinta, no, maybe, I, maybe because he's shorter, can get in a little bit easier. I don't know, but the the range is going to be the problem. You know, Connor uses that range, the push kicking all. You know, uh, yeah, I don't even know. The only guy that I think, if I get into the top fifteen, I would go to Islam. Can you scroll down? Can you pull up the lightweights? Let me see who else is in there. So you have who else? Um. You forgot you got Chandler in there too, but he's not ranked. Yeah, he's not ranked. He, he shouldn't be. That's right. I mean, but if I was if, if I was gonna say if someone can if someone can honestly can take Connor down, it'd be Chandler. Out of all yep. of those guys, there you okay? go. And I and look and and it's funny people are gonna say this that you think the I'm being a, you think I'm being a, like a little bit of a Bellator homer. Let me just be honest. <laughs> Michael Chandler and I do not like each other. So it's just one of those things where I am not saying anything positive about him. I'm just being real with you guys. We just don't like each other. He doesn't like me because I pulled because I got injured and pulled out a fight. I don't like him because he said he wouldn't be ready to fight me like he's doing in the UFC now. And so he didn't want to fight on a, on a short notice thing and fight me. So that's why we don't like each other. There's been a lot of other things too, but we'll keep it to that. We just don't like each other. The bottom line is if you have, but I'm going to give him credit. The credit is if he out of all those guys, I get oh Gregor Gillespie could probably take Connor down. Gregor could. Gregor could take him down. Islam could take Wait. him down, and Chandler could take him down. That's it. Yep. Not, not those are the, but I think still Connor still becomes champion if Khabib leaves. To answer your question, that was very long winded, but yes, Connor McGregor. <laughs> uh, what do you think, John? Am I right or am I wrong? No, I I would agree with you. My my whole thing is based upon. Connor's commitment. Yeah. Are you committed to actually fighting? Are you committed to being, uh, you know, someone who just plays around on the fringe? You know, he, he's gonna. It's gonna end up biting him somewhere along the way. I don't know where it's at, but when you stay away from it, mm-hmm. as as many times and for the extended period periods that he has, that can end up biting you in the ass. He seems a little motivated right now. I right follow, now, he I does. follow him on some of his social media. He seems pretty motivated right now. No, I right see now a lot he does. of his his videos with you know his trainers all around him with his camps. He's on the bike, sweating his ass off. I mean, he seems like he's putting the work in. 
And I think uh, a win over Dustin Poirier puts him right back into that conversation of fighting well, he, for the title next. He definitely does not want to lose a fight to Dustin. So no, and and Dustin's a better fighter at 155 than he was ever at 145. I agree, and I also think though too now they have a little bit of a mutual respect for each other now. Mm-hmm. There may be some shit talking going on, but I think Dustin nah, now is a the ma- hostility won't be there. Yeah, the hosti- the same mental warfare that happened in the first fight is not going to happen because everyone looked at well, Connor as a mouthpiece back then. Now they look at him as the red panty knight. So they yep. let they let him just talk, and we'll just get in there and fight. That's well, really they, what it's come down to. There's a lot back, more respect, I think, from the, oh, those guys. Total, because back then, Connor came in and was mouthy and had this aura and was fighting people, and everyone was saying he's not fighting that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, wait till he fights a real fighter or a wrestler, and that was the big thing. And Dustin was the guy that, you know, people kind of looked at as the, that's going to be the first fight that's going to really say, is this guy for real? And he proved that he was, but he got, he got into Dustin's head. Oh yeah. He had Dustin Poirier pissed going into that fight. So Dustin, you know, he didn't fight smart. He, he wasn't, he was not in the normal frame of mind that Dustin Poirier fights at where Dustin is a smart fighter. Dustin, you know, Dustin can fight really smart. He, and he's talented everywhere. He's a good fighter. Yeah. But when you fight piss, and I tell people, you don't fight mad. He was mad. Yeah. And it showed. He did the so, same thing to Eddie Alvarez, you know? That was, oh, the, he got yeah. under Eddie's skin. Eddie said, like, the game plan was to take him down and didn't even get close. It was never, yep. never even amounted to that. Didn't even look like he wanted to wrestle a couple of times. He shot a shot from so far away. Didn't even touch his legs. And Eddie came out and said it after the fight, but because, you know, obviously it was too late by then. But I mean, like, that's the kind of mentality that he's gotten into them. But I think the back and forth with Dustin now, the friendship, not I wouldn't say a friendship, but a mutual respect has been has been has been put there. Because remember, they said they were going to fight for a charity. Yep. And I think Dana's like, no, you're going to fight for my charity. It's called my (laughs) bank account. It's called it's called. (laughs) The charity of the UFC. Yeah, so you're going to put the <laughs> yeah. money into my account, right. and then That's we're going to go from there, and I'll go ahead and donate a small portion of that to that charity that you guys supposedly wanted to fight for. Yeah, that I saw what they did there. I saw <laughs> Dana was smart. He had to nip it in the bud before, real quick. It's not only Dana. Was, I thought they were smart. They forced Dana into it. Yeah, they needed to. That was a good that go. was a good job by them. It was. Very smart. Very, very well played. I think it was a lot of what Connor did. Connor did it because Dustin had said something and Connor said, I'll fight you for your charity. And Con- and then that forced that that forced Dana's hand to make him oh, yeah. fight, to have him fight. Good job. Connor. That's that's probably good management also, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> or good lawyers. So all right. Uh next question. Uh this one is from uh Abby Manuja. Eddie Bravo talked once on Joe, uh, Joe Rogan Experience about a funny story of Josh fighting Gerald Strabent, where he came out like a kickboxer and confused the shit out of Thompson. I want to hear Josh's side of the story. Love from Nepal. Uh, it didn't confuse me at all because I didn't really didn't really care. Like I, the ask John. John, you ref that fight. Yep. John, I, I threw myself into his guard left and right like a fucking moron. <laughs> like I was like, you know, I just I just didn't care. I wanted to go out there and, you know, the way I'd always fought all my fights before that was just just to like try and barrage you with punches and just be exciting. And it wasn't even so much. I was trying to be exciting. I had only really, honestly, I had say I had like 10 fights before that, I think. And a lot of them 
not they're not on sure dog because back then they didn't have the internet <laughs> and it was one of those we literally would just show up to fights and i would fight but it was one of those <laughs> i just i just showed up and that's the way i fought i fought in a lot of street fights as a kid i was always fighting all the time and uh not something i can say i'm proud of but it was the way I fought in the street was the same way I fought all the beginning portions of my fight. My very first UFC fight, when you guys saw that fight, that's how I fought when I fought in the street. Like it was just, it was a hundred miles an hour and I always knew I was in pretty good shape. I ran all the time when I was younger. I loved running cross country. I played a lot of soccer. I knew I was in shape and I would just fight. The, the key was to fight longer and harder than somebody else. And in a street fight, it only lasted normally about a minute. So that's why. And the way I fought Gerald Street Bent was the exact same way I fought on my street fights. You know, I mean, it wasn't until after this, the Street Bent fight that I realized I had to smarten up the way I fought because even at the end of that fight, I could tell I was starting to slow down already and we were only two and a half minutes in. And I was like, oh shit, the adrenaline dump. I was like, man, <laughs> you know? So good thing I got him out of there because I mean, it, I probably would have recovered fine because I knew I was in phenomenal shape. But the reality of it was, is that it it would have been a shittier fight had it went another two and a half minutes. That's the reality of it. But I mean, it helped me. It helped me learn a lot because my next fight was against Hermes Franca, where I needed the full 15 minutes, you know, to win the fight, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, I fought reckless, careless, you know, and all those things. And as far as what Eddie said about him coming out being a kickboxer, I didn't, back then, we I didn't have footage on him. Like we didn't get footage. There was no footage on him. I, well, you know what footage I had of him was he competed against Rich uh, uh, Rich Crunkleton in a jiu-jitsu match down in L.A. And Rich and him were in the finals, and he ended up tapping Rich. You know, and I was like, okay, well, I I can beat Rich on the ground too, so that doesn't say much. But Rich was tough and scrappy, and he made it look easy. And I was like, oh shit, I might have my hands full. Be careful. But I also knew though too that I had trained with a lot of really good jiu-jitsu guys. As soon as you started punching them, they weren't the same jiu-jitsu guy. And so that's why when I fought him, I said, just if you're going to be in his guard, be active, be busy. He will not be the same guy. And that was the truth because there was a couple times that he had me dead to rights in an arm bar. And I started just hammer fisting him and he forgot about his arm bar. And I just pulled my arms out. And, you know, things have changed a little bit. Guys have gotten better at taking strikes oh, yeah. and hitting the submissions. But back then, no. What do well, you think? if you remember, well... When uh, Gerald Streetbent came out, he was wearing, if you remember, the Muay Thai headband, the Moncal. Yeah. He had that on, and that was all part of making you think he's a stand-up fighter, so you want to take him down and put him in the world that he believes he can get the win. So I can understand why they did it. When he walked out with, with that on his head, I was like, what in the hell is yeah. he doing? Because I knew Gerald, and I was like, you are no, you are no Muay Thai specialist, dude. But whatever i have a question was the guy in his corner like his muay thai coach was that guy in the movie blood sport wasn't he the guy that like i believe the yes. muay thai guy yeah that's what i yeah. thought too he yes. looked exactly like him and i think people yeah. had said it but i never confirmed it no yeah he was in the movie uh blood yeah, sport he, he was the muay thai guy in blood sport yeah that moved on a couple fights and then yeah, yeah, the one that like, yeah, kicked me in the ribs. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, there you yeah, go. It was yeah. one of those funny things. Yeah, well, everyone gets kicked in the ribs and takes it like, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> buddy, sure. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a weird situation. But like back then, there was a lot of things you had to put it in perspective in terms of time frame. 
I didn't really get a whole lot of footage of him. The only footage I ever saw him grappling was against Rich, who had taken a video camera down there that he had stole from his dad's pawn shop in Florida. And so it was like, it was, it was, uh, Rich, I can tell you a lot of stories about Rich Crunkleton, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, that was one of them. So that was it. Next question. Next one is from D. Shiznit. Who has the worst tattoo in MMA and why is it Kevin Lee? <laughs> why is it Kevin Lee? <laughs> it's not Kevin Lee. It's not. You know who it is? It's Brock fucking Lesnar. He's got a big old <laughs> dick on his chest. <laughs> it's fucking, it's shaped like a dick at the top too, which is the worst part. It doesn't look like, it's not a pointy sword at the top. It's a shape like a dick. <laughs> it's like, doesn't look good. I'm like, and I like Brock as a wrestler, but. You know, I even like him as a fighter. I think he's entertaining, and I love his uh, post-fight interview where he talks about he's gonna go home and drink Coors Light instead of Bud Light. Uh, I loved it. Like, oh come on! I thought it was great. But yeah, he's got I'm the worst tattoo. Coor- I'm not gonna have that Bud Light. I'm gonna have a Coors Light and go jump on my wife. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. On, I love that. I mean, other than that, I mean, like, I don't really care for Santos. I get, I get it. I don't care for his tattoo. I like him as a fighter. Don't care for his tattoo. Kevin Lee's Who's is, tattoo. Uh, Santos, the one that has the hammer on his chest. Oh, Diago? No, that's not. I would say, wait, I mean, there's a lot of bad ones. Well, there was a guy that had a racist tattoo. He had a KKK racist tattoo. Wow, well, that's that's just idiotic. That's just being stupid. And he apologized, too. He's like, I was young and I just didn't realize. And I was like, I get it. I understand. But there yeah. was there was a there was a kid fighting out of extreme couture that had this. It almost looked like a third grade, thir- well, maybe third grade or three year old cat tattooed on that he allowed someone to tattoo him. That was really bad. But I would say, you know, one of the bad ones that was a guy I really like. Remember Alan Belcher? Yes. He had oh. Johnny Cash on his arm. Jesus. But you couldn't really tell that it was. <laughs> yeah. It looked like a fat. And I love Alan Belcher. It looked, yeah. It, it was a cross between a fat Elvis uh, Presley and a Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, yeah. Oh, man. I always looked at that, and I always tried to say, where did they get that picture from? But, yeah. I've known some really good tattoo artists and I've known some really bad ones. Yeah, that was uh that was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, a- I would say Brock, you say Belcher. I, I agree I agree with you. Brock's Sorry. sword is not the best sword. Not yeah, not at all. Not, not <laughs> Next one. Next one. It's not Kevin from- Lee though, by the way. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. Next one is from uh G Wiz, Josh, have you ever tapped Khabib? And if not, what's the most success you've had against him in training? Uh, we don't talk about training like that. So sorry, guys, can't answer that. We've had some good training sessions. Uh, been good. Yeah. First off, you need people need to understand when you talk about tapping someone, it's training. Yeah. The reason you tap is because I'm not going to work at getting out of this because I could get hurt. And so I'm just going to tap and we'll start again and move on from there. That's why he's saying we don't talk about that. We have enough injuries at AK. I don't need to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like why, why go even further where it's like guys can, can get hurt even more. And we had, we had enough issues with people getting hurt at AK. So yeah, when it came to things like that, no. And the other thing what, too is why talk about it? We're not, it's, it's, we're talking about practice. Like Alan Iverson said. <laughs> what, some, what someone taps to in practice and what they'll tap to in a real fight are two different things. Yep, very true. Next question. All right, next one is from Nicola Maxwell. She asks, Josh, can you remember doing those stare downs with those little kids and how wholesome was that? Who's I, whose idea was that? It was very cute. Oh, I love that. 
So it was, um, it wasn't really wasn't, it was my idea, but it wasn't like I planned it. What happened was one kid had asked if they could come up and take a picture with a stare down. And I said, well, I said, yes, but I had to ask Reed Harris, who was the guy at the stage. And I said, Hey, do we have time? He's like, you guys, you got plenty of time. Cause we were only allowed to do the, the, the Q and a for an hour. And I knew we were pushing up on time. And so the kid came up and asked, and I said, okay, look, we'll spend the last bit. I said, I'm just going to, I asked Reed, can I just invite all the kids, send all the kids down parents. If your kids are interested in doing a stare down, we'll do it. And so the kids all got sent down. I said, sorry, parents, you guys are not invited. Just the kids only. And we left it at that. And it just became a thing that we did now after that, I did it like uh, two more times. I did it at the EA thing. And I did it again at another event for, um, a small little like autograph signing event that the UFC had done. So I had done it for the UA thing with Carlos Condit. I had told Carlos, I said, Hey, when we get done doing the Q and a for you and I, do you mind if I invite all the kids down, you know, to do it? He said, no, I would love it. So we did it again up in Vancouver. in Vancouver. We did it again there. And, uh, and we had a great time as well. It was fun. I mean, I've, I've always loved that because, those kids still to this day, there's, there's two of them now that they're still now to this day, still hit me up and say, Hey, um, every time it gets circulated, the video gets circulated. They say, I still remember this. And one of them is like, I was so scared, you know? And the other one was, uh, the other one was the one with the shaggy blonde hair. It was like super tough and he's a lot bigger now, (laughs) but it's, (laughs) it's fun. It's a great experience. And I'm glad. And the fact that they still hit me up and let me know that, that it meant a lot to them means a lot to me. So um feel blessed to be part of that. And I'm glad that that video is still going around. What do you think, John? I do not love that. Mm-hmm. I think it's any time that you can do something that makes a kid's day, that makes them have a memory, you've done good. Yeah, it really comes down to like when I was. Well, hold it. A good memory. How's that? A good memory. <laughs> <laughs> you've done good. It comes down to like when I was a kid. Like my parents, like I was a huge Michael Jackson fan and my parents would try to always find if he was ever in town, like night, we were living in Sacramento when I was real young, when I was a Michael Jackson fan and he had came one time and they'd, they'd, they'd done so much just to drive into the park. They there was like this huge venue. He was going to be, at. it was kind of like a big park and that he was going to be driving through and he kind of like hung his head, like his body waist out of the limo from the back window, you know, that back thing, the sunroof. And I could see him, but I was like, I was on my dad's shoulders. I was probably, I don't know, 50 yards away. He was kind of waving. That was like one of the biggest like memories I remember as a child, you know, and I didn't even get to like shake his hand or get face to face with him or any of that stuff. But it's still one of those memories that I remember my dad went, my mom and dad went through a lot just for me to get to that point. You know, cause we were extremely poor, man. We like, we, you know, we spent all morning. My parents drove me there at like seven in the morning just so I could get close enough. People were there overnight. You know what I mean? So just hoping that he was going to drive past that way. So for the kids like that, to to have the opportunity to come up and get on the stage was oh, yeah. just another thing. And their well, parents look, to be able to take pictures of them as well. Look, I, I'm 58 years old. Okay. Back my dad won the Medal of Valor, and when back then when they did it, they would have a day for the Medal of Valor recipients at Dodger Stadium. And I was a huge Dodger fan. I was a little kid, but I was a huge knew knew all of them. It was, you know, Steve Garvey and Ron Say at third base, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell. Behind the plate was either Joe Ferguson or the new guy Steve Yeager at the time. And 
I mean, Tommy Lasorda wasn't even the manager. It was a guy named Walter Alston was the manager, and, and Tommy Lasorda was the coach. But I can remember, you know, my dad took me down into the dugout there, and I was able to meet all them. But I remember the ones that I thought, you know, they gave me zero time. But I remember Tommy Lasorda was the nicest guy in the world to me. And I remember Steve Yeager, the nicest guy in the world, took time just to, you know, ask questions. You know, I could ask them stuff. They would show me stuff. Those are, I'm 58 years old. I still remember that to this yeah. day. So that's yeah. what you did for those kids. Yep. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, like now that they're a lot older, they've reached out to me. They have their own Instagram and they reach out and they say, hey, I still remember this. And, you know, and because I post the video when people post it I, and they tag me and I repost it. And then they, those kids will, they're following me. So keep doing it. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. great. I love it. Next question. Next question is from uh, Martin Hughes. I want to know if Big John has ever been in a street fight. Who? Big John. Oh, jeez. Who's <laughs> LAPD? Of course he has. How many? <laughs> oh, How many? Oh, my God. Look at it. I, you know, I'm not proud of everything that I've done. <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, much younger, my dad told me two, well, one of the things. He says, look, you're going to either end up in jail or putting people in jail. You better figure out which one it is because I was always getting I was I, I loved to fight and I had friends that loved to fight and it was you know you were fighting people on the street though they don't know how to fight let's just be honest for the yeah. most part so have I ever been in street I've been in a lot and it doesn't mean anything you know guys that's you know I, I love I've had you know 75 and oh as a street fighter yeah you fought 75 bums okay <laughs> yeah. so yes I have and uh I hope to not get in any more. Yeah. I hope I'm smart enough so I don't have to. You could just follow him like you did me. Uh, dude, I didn't just follow <laughs> you. I had to crush you down, you put you in the corner, squash, ground and pound. Squash me dead. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid if I took you down, you might break your hip. I had to be gentle. Oh, dude, it's possible at my age. <laughs> oh, next question. Next question is from uh, Savior B. Josh, would you let your kid compete in MMA? Uh, no. Like, I think for every parent, they don't want that to happen. I don't he's a any, liar. I don't think any parent wants that. He's kid a to liar. I'm telling you right now, Gianni's lying. <laughs> no, you want to know why? But, here, but here's the thing. I was a police officer. I told my kids, don't be police officers. Guess what they became? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so what you will do if 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 Josh's son said, this is what I want to do, yeah, then Josh would do everything he could to make sure that he did it the right way. Yeah. That he was trained the right way, that he knew what he was doing before he was ever put in any kind of fights, that he had all had the experience. You, you never want to tell your kids what they can do or can't because they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. They're going to do what they want to do. So you're going to end up basically just trying to do what you can to give them the best so funny you asked this question because i just had this conversation today when i was picking out a christmas tree and someone was asking me like you know if you ever have kids like would you let your kids fight and i'm like i'm like look it gets to a point where like my parents like my dad didn't want me to fight but he, my dad also told me like hey if you're gonna fight i want you to be good at it and so you gotta get you know just 
train, get better at it. So I started jiu-jitsu. I started Muay Thai. I started kickboxing, started trying to box and I became addicted to it and just was like, Hey, whatever. I can make a little bit of money doing this. Okay. Let's try it. But it's not even that it's the other thing is that I think the fact that I have the experience of seeing what it takes to be a fighter, and then it's going to get even tougher to become a top MMA fighter by the time Oh. If I was, you know, if my kids were to, to try and fight. So by then I will know whether you're my son or my daughter or whatever would, would have the goods or not to do it. And so I could be very simple and very, I could be very upfront with my child and say, Hey, if this is what you want to do. I'll do the best I can to train you and I'll whatever. If I can't do it, then I'll give you somebody, I'll give you to somebody else that can do it, you know, but I'll get you as far as I can. You can't crush their dreams, but I will crush their dreams at a point though, where like, Hey, you're not going to be champion. You have to be honest with your child, especially in the hurt business. If you're talking about tennis and golf and all this other shit, go out there and make money. You know, that's fine. But you're not, you, you're probably never going to win the masters. Okay. Go out there and make money though. They're going out there to make money and they're doing what they love. I support it, but not in fighting. This is not one of those sports where go out there, do what you love. Like, like I said, when you're done being, when you're done chasing that championship and it's not going to happen, someone needs to tell their kids, this is not the moment. Anderson Silva need to be told. Shogun Hua need to be told. Okay. Tonight, what we saw, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. I mean, it, it was fun, but I'm just glad no one got hurt. You know, at 51 and 54 years old, can you imagine if someone, one of them, you know, got hurt, seriously hurt? I mean, I don't think it would have got to that level, but I get nervous about those type of situations and they're not even my kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine if that's your, your, your child? Like if once you know that they can't be champion, you know that they're not going to be the best, then I would, would like them to leave that and not do that. And especially in fighting, if it's golf and tennis and, and basketball and go out there, keep doing you keep making money because I, I I'm reminded every day of when I see my family, none of them wanted me to be a fighter. Even when I was fighting, making 500 and a thousand dollars, even when I was in the UFC, how long are you going to do this? This is just, you know, there's no money. And like, you know, you're not doing this. You're not, I'm like, I was getting told, you know, all the time you should get, you should get a job as a plumber. You get should get a join, real job. Yeah. You should get a job as a plumber. <laughs> you should become an electrician. My whole family is electricians and plumbers. All of them. They all work for unions. They're like, yeah, the benefits are this, the benefits are that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll hard pass, man. That's not my lifestyle. I don't want that lifestyle, you know? And, and so you have to support your children no matter what they want to do. You just want to try to support them to make sure that they're the best at what they do. And that's the hardest part because do they want to listen to your advice or not? So there's a lot of things that I could say and keep continue to go on about, but like realistically, the bit, the fight business is not the business that I would want them to be in, but I'll support them up until the moment where they need to realize that if they're not going to be champion, when there's that championship money at stake, then I'd start to probably start to dial them back and say, Hey, we got to start thinking of what's life after fighting. Just me. And I did that for myself. Why would I not do that for my child? So next question. All right. Big John, tell us about your experience while being a guest on the TV show friends. <laughs> I, I have I have one thing I want to say. That question is from me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the Courtney Cox. Oh, dude. <laughs> I got in trouble again. Jeez. Uh, oh, you well, can you can pass on that if you want, but you know, I it's funny because uh when that whole thing came about, my wife, I, I really didn't watch Friends. I'll, I'll be honest. But my wife did, and she loved that show. And and 
part of when uh you know, I was going to go there. She goes, I'm going, right? And if you know my wife, mm -hmm. what she says she's doing because I have no control. <laughs> Ask Josh. Miss so, McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> but I told her, I said, you know, maybe you, maybe it would be better if you don't go because maybe you'll go there and you won't like these people and then it's going to wreck the show for you, a show that you like. And Yeah. She goes, yeah, no, I'm going. I'm going. So, uh, you know, I, the first day I went there, it was all uh, rehearsal stuff and, and setting up the fight and whatever uh, we, they wanted to do and stuff. And the second day was all shooting. And uh, the, it was funny because I'll, I'll explain the Courtney Cox thing. It was, this is going to get me in trouble probably. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Uh, uh, I had to explain fighting to Courtney Cox. And then on the day of the actual shooting, they actually put me into the uh, hair and makeup thing. And Courtney Cox was in there having her hair and makeup. And the guy who was the director of the show was a guy named Robbie Benson, who he was a child star, was in all kinds of stuff like that. Really nice guy. And most of the people on their cast, you know, Jennifer Aniston, she was a sweetheart. Uh, Lisa Kudrow was a really nice person. Schwimmer was a nice guy. Uh, Matt LeBlanc. The two that were not the nicest people in the world was Courtney wasn't that nice. And I'm sure she's a wonderful human being yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the other one was uh, the guy that played Chandler or whatever, Matt, Matthew Perry. He was a drug addict. You could tell he was on stuff. So he, uh, he did some stuff that I looked at him and I thought, you're just a jerk. But that was then. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being now. Uh, but I got into a kind of thing with Courtney Cox in that makeup thing. And that the, the director's assistant came in and basically put on this thing of uh, telling her, Mrs. Cox, you know, uh, Mr. Benson wants to work through lunch. And I've taken it upon myself to order you uh, grilled chicken with pasta and vegetables and things like that. And she, I'm not going to go into what she said, but it wasn't really nice to him that she said that it was her time that she wanted to go to the commissary. And if that's what she wanted to do, that's what she was going to do. And he and he was trying to, you know, tell her, well, but Mr. C Mr. Benson wants to do this. She basically gave him this whole thing about, you know, uh, if I want to stand out on Barham Boulevard and pick my nose, that's what I'll do. Hmm. And I was just sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I should tell you that you're being a fucking bitch. <sighs> But I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to get in trouble. And the guy turned right to me and he goes into the same thing. of Mr. McCarthy actually called me Mr. McCarthy like I was someone special. And he said, you know, Mr. Benson wants to. And he goes through this whole thing. And she had at one point she said, no, 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 no. And so, you know, he goes through the whole thing. And I looked at him and I go, no, 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 no. Right? Oh, and I go, no. <laughs> and I said, no, man, hey, I'm sorry. I, I said, if I said that, I'd be a real asshole. Oh, I said, that would be fine. Thank you for doing what you do. And she looked at me with daggers flying out of her <laughs> eyes at me. Oh, man. Got up, stormed out. And so I will say probably to this day, I'm sure that Courtney Cox is one of the nicest human beings there is, but she hates me. And that's okay. <laughs> oh, man. I'm surprised her eyes even move with all that Botox. <laughs> oh, dude. I don't think she had that much. I will take. Okay, never mind. You see her now? She doesn't even look like the same person. Dude, she didn't look like the same person then. Yeah. She came up to me, and I didn't know who it was. Yeah. When I first met her, I was like, who are you? And then I realized, oh, my God. 
Yeah. It's it's crazy when you see actors and actresses in in person. They yep. don't look anything like they do on TV. Like at all. Some of them okay, do, but not all. The not first all. time not you saw Courtney Cox was where? When? I saw her. We were doing a Showtime thing for Strike Force, and she just so happened to be like in the same building. I saw her passing. Okay. She, just Botox. Bo- just bo- Botox. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like her face didn't look like it moved. Like I just, she didn't look the same. Didn't yeah. look the same at all. Like you see her on TV, and the other thing as well is, I mean, they're not dressed. There's no makeup. She had makeup. There's on, no eyebrow. Yeah, that's the other. She thing. had no eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah, it's common. It's common. They, they uh, now they just tattoo them on. Oh, I know. Just strange. Uh, next one. Next question is from uh, Francis uh, McNally. What is the best martial art for a five-year-old to start to learn? Wrestling. Whatever they enjoy. Yeah, that's true. I'm just being honest. If you, As the parent, the kid has got to enjoy. Now, you can push them towards certain things that you think are the best for them, but they have to enjoy it. This has got to be fun. My take on it is this. It's not always martial arts. I look at it as the best thing for kids to get into is swimming and gymnastics. Gymnastics. His body awareness for them and and using their full body. Like in swimming is a full body workout. Gymnastics is a full body workout as well as flexibility, hand eye coordination, like balance. All of those things come into play. Gymnastics and uh, swimming. To me, those are the two things. Like three and four years old, you should be in those already. You know, just for fun, like, and the kids like, the kids love it. They love it. And you put them into, and you put them into, like, for me, I put them into wrestling and jiu-jitsu because ninety nine point nine percent of like all little tussles and stuff end up on the ground when you're a kid, as well as when you're an adult, by the way. Okay, yep. <laughs> like you still end up on the ground. They always grab each other because they don't want to get hit, and they tussle around. Someone ends up on the ground. You need to learn how to like handle your body awareness when you're on the ground. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling. I lean more towards wrestling to begin with because. Really, it's just takedowns and control and pressure and top control. It's all that. Jiu-Jitsu is a lot more like chess, you know, where you put the piece here, put the piece here. It's a lot more complicated for younger kids. And I'm exactly the opposite, though. Are you? Yeah, and I say this because of the fact that wrestling is harder. It's 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 harder to do because it's there's a there's a an aspect of it where you're always pushing, where the jujitsu can be fun and it can be relaxing and it's not that that drive that wrestling is i'll play devil's advocate to that go ahead i will say jujitsu for females and i will say wrestling for boys because i've learned that girls because i teach when i teach the girls here like the four five year old six and seven eight year old girls they are better than all the boys because they put it all together in their brain a lot better than boys do. Wrestling is that harder, like you said, intense grind, like get on your head and just like a little bit more of that bulliness, you know, like the boy, it's a boy. To me, it's that, that it translates better, but you, the jujitsu, I have the girls that are six and seven and eight years old just working the boys over because they pay attention to the detail. They pay attention to the foot on the hip, the swivel of the hips, grabbing the collar in this position versus grabbing the collar in this position. On how much Taking of a the different... hand and putting it this way instead of grabbing it this yes, way. Yes, like they, they pay do. attention to the details. The young girls pay attention to the details. That's why if you put boy girls and boys in jiu-jitsu matches up until they're like eight and nine years old, the boys will majority of the bo- the girls will win. 
Like I've, my girls, when I was coached, I had a lot of girls that were winning Pan Ams and competing against boys because not just Pan Ams, but other jujitsu tournaments competing against boys. Cause they're just technically better because they pay attention to all the detail. So I guess I, yeah, you would be correct. Wrestling I think is for the boys jujitsu at a small age, I would say for the girls, but I think combination wise, I think they're undefeated. If you put the two of those things together, if I was going to teach my kids any martial arts, and the fact that I live in California, which is what my selling point to most parents are, is that you don't. We live in a in a state where people will sue the shit out of you if your kid hits another kid. So why not just take them down, control the position until the teacher comes to break it up? That's the way I pitch it to their parents, and the sure. parents the parents eat it up. <laughs> so that way they won't get hurt. Yeah, and that way you don't get sued. <laughs> next question next question is from uh, joshua amaya what happens to leon edwards if he loses and do you guys think gaichi could be chandler's first ufc fight in january what what was the first question oh. leon edwards what happens if he loses, if he loses. drops in rankings <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> i mean he was supposed that's... to be next in line for a title wow. shot they get wow you are a rocket scientist yeah, with that right. one. that's good <laughs> I mean, what do you think is going to happen to him? I mean, like, he's going to drop in the rankings. They're going to try to push him out. I think he he hasn't been the easiest person to deal with, from what I understand, during this time. He also, the UK has been shut down. It's not like he's been trying to sneak into his gyms and train. Like, he can't yep. do anything about that. You're telling me you couldn't fly him out to Yaz Island? I mean, why not? What's going on? If they wanted to get, look, the UFC gets shit done when they want to get it done. And if you give them a hard time, they won't get it done for you. And so I don't know what he did to piss him off, but there was something he did to piss him off and they weren't happy with it. So then they just said, okay, fine. We'll give you a guy that we think's going to beat you, which I don't think he's gonna. It's going to make it a fight, but I don't think he's going to beat him. Uh, I think Leon's going to win. If he loses, he's going to get he's gonna get set back probably three or four places, but he'll be back. I think he'll be back. Uh, what was the next question of that? Um, Chandler and Gaethje, yeah. they'd be foolish not to put that fight on. That's their moneymaker fight. You want to make an introduction for a fighter like Chandler, who is known to throw down and known to get into dog fights like you did with Eddie Alvarez. Okay. Is that that's the fight to make just makes sense. I mean, if you want to make yep. it a main event, there's no, I don't think there's another fighter that would make it more entertaining than Justin Gaethje and Chandler. I'm just going to say ditto. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. We're on Perfect. a roll tonight. God, Josh Thompson is scoring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So right, this one's kind of a long question. Uh, this one's from Syed Ali. Khabib versus Tony got canceled five times, and eventually Tony lost to Gaethje. Was it Khabib's destiny to retire undefeated because Tony could have been his uh, kryptonite? <laughs> yeah. uh, look, you, anyone can sit there and say what they want about who they think would win in a fight that never happens, but it doesn't mean anything. Yes, that fight was supposed to happen. And could it be that Tony would have beaten Khabib, would have been that kryptonite, would have been that guy? Could be. And we'll never know. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. That's a fight I always wanted to see happen. I got ready for it. I thought it was going to happen multiple times. And five times it did not happen. So, yeah, I, I just go with the same thing I tell you. Look at it. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And that's exactly what happened with that fight too many times. Yeah. Realistically, out of all those guys, I thought Tony had the only chance to really beat Khabib. 
I thought Connor had a little bit of a chance given the punching power and the reach and the range and stuff, but there was Connor really wasn't fighting at that time because of all the money he'd already made pack out or not pack out, but uh, the, from the Floyd fight and all the other stuff he was doing, the whiskey and stuff he's consumed with other things. Tony was the guy that I thought the submission wise and the elbows from the bottom really concerned me because of the cuts. So if he got, if he did get taken down, which he was going to get taken down, Khabib wasn't going to stand with him just because he was afraid of being submitted or, or cut from the bottom. He would have done that. But a cut can change a lot of things, you know. It changes the way that the fight's fought because, and also too, could stop the fight because of where the cut is. So I looked at it that way, and that that he was the most dangerous guy for Khabib to fight because Tony was good from the darts position, the guillotine position, positions where Khabib puts his head to be elbowed and 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 choked and all those things. That was to me probably a dangerous fight for Khabib. But I can sit here and say that I think. Could be able to walk right through him, but you just never know what's going to happen with someone who, who is known for his guillotines and his darces and all the other things that he does, as well as his elbows and for cutting people. I mean, I'm one of the guys that can say like, look what he's he's good with his elbows, man, and and could be puts his head in those places to be elbowed. So I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. I don't. The fight's never going to happen, so we're going to sit here and continue to wonder that for the rest of our lives. Agree. Absolutely. Ditto. Josh Thompson's on a roll today. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question is from uh, Dimit Dimitri Sped. Can we see a tagging between you guys against DC and Ariel? I think there will be a lot of back pain and fatigue in this one. <laughs> what, what was that one? A, a tussle? I missed the beginning. It says, uh, can we see a tag team bout between you guys against DC and Ariel? I think there will be a lot of back pain and fatigue in this one. <laughs> Yeah, if we saw that, so it would be, it would be, it'd take me about two seconds to get rid of Ariel and be John exactly. and I against DC. Exactly. Yeah. It would just be two on one. Yeah, it'd be two on one. <laughs> two on one. Yeah. Uh, and D DC's got no submission defense. I definitely need help with DC and I'll get it because Ariel will take about, yeah, that's about all it's going to yeah, take. Yeah. <laughs> All you got to do is hit him in that nose and it's over, man. Oh, man. That, that thing will be turned this way and he just, it'd man. be all over. Just take that beak and turn it. Yeah. <laughs> the Humpty Dance through the dance. Anyways, like, <laughs> okay. Next one. Last, yeah. we'll do the last one. Next one is from uh, Bo Ferguson. Could Fedor in his prime beat Stipe in his prime? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It wouldn't have been close. It wouldn't even be close. I think he would. He'd probably he'd either knock him out on the feet, or he'd, he'd get the takedown and knock him out on the ground. Uh, he might have submitted him. <clears throat> Fedor was just back. good. Back in back in the day, Fedor was beating everybody, everybody that was top of the food chain, and and uh, I mean, and made it look easy. Yeah just destroyed good fighters and his ground and pound was the the nastiest heaviest hitting ground and pound <clears throat> of anybody ever uh, his speed was absolutely way above everybody else's he had a great submission game his judo as far as his throws he was outstanding with them uh, he always had the ability to be hit and so could stipe have hit him on the chin and hurt him yeah it's a possibility but Stipe being the guy that uh, 
uses his boxing and has got good boxing, but uses his wrestling too. Um, in the end, I, I just don't see back when Fedor was young, it would have been a different fight. Yeah. Hard fight for Stipe. Yeah. Would the For Fedor, he was someone that was able to get in and out so fast. And the speed of his right hand was just phenomenal. And then that, that led right into the clinch and the trips and the throws and all the stuff. And then if he got on top of you, you weren't getting up. Nope. And he was landing vicious ground and pound. And Steve Bay doesn't have a chance of subbing him. I mean, you had he was on the ground no. with Noguera multiple times. And he fought almost the whole fight down there and just destroyed Noguera from the ground and pound position. He's like, look, I'm going to jump into your game and I'm just going to destroy you from there. And he did that. And... um. Multiple times. Too many people get caught up into like what we watched tonight. They look at what's happening in the present. Roy Jones gets clipped all the time and knocked out by young fighters. Mike Tyson didn't look the same towards the end of his career. Fedor Milenko doesn't look the same now towards the end of his career. But in their primes, they were (laughs) animals. They were savages. Roy Jones was the guy that just would touch everyone and knock everyone out, but couldn't be touched. I mean, he was the Floyd Mayweather before there was a Floyd Mayweather. Do you remember Roy Jones went and did a full basketball game? Because he actually was part of a, a, I want to say, it was a professional league, but he owned the team. He went and played a full basketball game on the day of his fight. Oh, I didn't know that. That's the kind of stuff that Roy Jones used to do. Roy Jones ate up great fighters. Yeah. You know? James Tony was a phenomenal fighter yeah. for how many years? It was the middleweight champion. Roy Jones made him look bad. Now nobody did that to James Tony. At, when Roy Jones was at the top of his game, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He was fast. He had power. You couldn't hit him. He just made you look bad. Yep. So Tyson, no. Same thing with Tyson, right? In the early part of his career when he was still, what, 19, 20, 21, 22? I mean, like, Oof. he was just crushing dudes. Guys that were grown-ass grown men. <laughs> he was making them look like they didn't belong in there. Like, what do you mean you're the champion? Let me show you. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, just some sometimes you get those fighters that are just that damn good. And, you know, Fedor was one of them. You know I mean? Yep. That, that you don't there's not a lot of them out there but Fedor Milenko was one Mike Tyson was one Roy Jones was one I mean Mayweather was one I mean my knock on on Floyd Mayweather is that he always kind of waited to fight the guys when they were kind of on their way out. he is smart yeah he was a smart fighter not stupid yeah, like he, super he, smart. he made some good moves he knew that he was the money fight he knew he was the pretty boy he knew that he attracted people wanted to see him lose mainly but they, oh, there was a ton of people out there that supported the fact that he was the way he was. You Always know, fought were, on Cinco de Mayo against a Mexican fighter. Yeah, smart, brilliant smart guy, brilliant game plan. You know, and because he was successful at it, you know, and he made all those really good boxers, most Mexican boxers look look bad. You know, he just touched them, pieced them up. I mean, what he did to Gotti was just. In, I was like, oh, God, this is. Okay. You know, I felt bad for him because after he had earned that title shot and was waiting all those years to fight Floyd Mayweather. Thought he was gonna get, you know, he was getting his his uh big fight, his really big, big fight. And it just he made him look bad. Made him look really bad. So I mean all of them, you know, all those there's guys that there's fighters that come into the world and and uh you just know the how good they are and, and Fedor is one of them. 
you know. Uh, one more or no? All right, one more. One more. It's getting late for this you, buddy. This is it. Yeah, it's good. Oh. Sorry, man. I forgot. Last one is from three hours. Three a.m. There. Well, good. Three thirty. Sorry, not even three a.m. Three thirty. Saul Ventur asked, uh, "Muay Thai stands in MMA? Big John and Josh, let me know what you've seen." Who? Uh, he says, "Muay uh, Thai stance in MMA. Big John and Josh, let me know what you've seen." Muay Thai. I don't understand the question. Uh, has ever... Are you saying is a Muay Thai stance good in MMA? I don't know. Or, or maybe have has ever any? No, they have, but it's not. A, it's not a good stance in MMA. No, no. That answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good stance in MMA. Yeah, you, you got to be up on your toes. You're bouncing on the one leg in the front. I mean, easy to lift the leg and trip the bottom. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's good Muay Thai guys out there that would probably do. We see it in you guys watch one uh, one fighting championships. They've got a ton of them out there. You know, uh, they're not the easiest guys to take down. They're very athletic. They're they've got great balance, and if they clinch under your head, you can't get them off. You know, but the issue is though is that with good top level wrestlers. They're, they're going to end up getting taken down. Ben Askren went over there and was able to do it left and right. You know, if you get, if you take good guys with good wrestling, they're going to go over there and take them down. They may take a couple shots here and there, but they're going to get you down. And when they do, those guys ain't getting up. John said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully we got to answer your guys' questions. If we did, go ahead and hit us in the comment section. Also, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. They'll give you 50% of your initial deposit. So if you deposit $1,000, they give you another $500 of their money, which is now your money, to gamble. Also, go to prowrestlingtees.com. Use slash Wayne in. If you go pro, sorry, prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in, and use the promo code Fight, not fet. Fight. fight. And go in there. Fight. We've we've got a couple new shirts that are up as well. We've got a new um, Terminator one that was pretty dope. Yeah. I actually like it. And uh, check that out. Also, when you guys buy your shirts, take a picture of it, post it, tag us in it. We'll repost for you guys. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. It's really late for John, so we don't have a whole lot to say. John, you got something to say? I got one thing to say. See ya. <laughs>